Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. We are just one day away now from the Jacksonville Jaguars playing the third preseason game of August, the most meaningful game of August, the highlight of August. And for the next couple of weeks, the only thing we'll have to go on leading into the season opener against the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, that will happen on September 8th in Jacksonville. Brett Martineau once again hanging by the beach in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Marriott Harbor Beach Resort. Fantastic place, beautiful place, and a beautiful day. A little warm today, but what else is new? It's August in Florida and South Florida uh, to boot. And Action Sports Jack's Austin Lane back in the studios in Jacksonville, probably with an umbrella because uh, it seems to rain a lot. What's up, man? Not too much, man, and right you are, Brent. Uh, so far, we got some pretty blue skies, but we have some Nimbus clouds moving in, so I'm sure it's going to rain for about the 22nd straight day, it seems like. So I'm glad you're enjoying the sun and the beach. Uh, Barrett, uh, Garrett Beatonball, Mike Borish checking in on that the cumulus cloud terminology or something? Uh, yeah, man. I'm just, I'm just trying to showcase all my uh, skills that I have when it comes to meteorology. It's not much, but I just remember Kilian ah, clouds from, uh, from from my class. So, hey, hey, it sounds like Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones are okay, so that stinks. I wanted a rivalry for the next 10, 12, 15 years, but uh, <laughs> they've they've made up, I guess. Yeah, from from the reports saying that I guess Baker Mayfield reached out to Daniel Jones, and according to Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones took everything pretty easy. So, yeah, unfortunately, there's not much of a story there. But you would like to see, you know, a couple. Young upstarts coming up, uh, kind of, you know, build up this uh, little animosity towards each other. So we'll have to find some other storylines to try to tie our wagon to. Hey, I like when the masses are wrong about people and players. And, and you know, Josh Allen, not uh, the Jags Josh Allen, but the quarterback up in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah. uh, not only Jalen Ramsey call him trash, but everybody else kind of wondered and scratched their head. And like, eh, how's he going to be? And, you know, everybody rates their quarterbacks differently. There will always be a genius out there and said, hey, I thought Josh Allen was going to be the best one. Uh, but let's be honest, not a lot of people tied their wagon to Josh Allen. People for five years around here uh, wondered about Blake Bortles. And I think the wonderers were right. Uh, Daniel Jones is another one that will go down like that is saying, hey, uh, this guy got overdrafted. He shouldn't have been picked where he was picked. There are other people the Giants could have had instead of Daniel Jones, including Josh Allen, the pass rusher, um, and uh, not the, the quarterback, um, Daniel Jones. But I kind of root for those guys that most people think are going to be terrible to at least surprise folks and be good. Yeah, without a doubt, you know, it's funny. I mean, and this is even from a GM perspective, even a scouting perspective, you know. I mean, these guys have to fit this certain size, it seems like. They have to fit this certain mold. And sometimes, for whatever reason, guys get overlooked and, you know, they they get called trash and they think that they're not going to be that good, whether it's from a small school, not being the right height, not being the right weight. You know, there's all these intangibles. So I think, I mean, just as a, as a fan of the, of the game, you enjoy when kind of those outliers, um, you know, kind of the the underdog story comes up and makes a name for themselves and kind of d- defies all expectations. Uh, and and I think it's cool too, you know, when when NFL scouts are proven wrong and even GMs are proven wrong as well, because uh, that's kind of the greatness of sports. You know, I mean, 
you can add all the analytics that you want to it, but at the end of the day, there's still a reason why there's the draft. There's still a reason why there's these sleeper picks, and there's still a reason why there's undrafted free agents that shine, and that's what makes sports so great. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and obviously the Jags have a handful of those kind of guys, uh, you know, guys that are drafted high, you want to see them do well, the guys that are drafted a little bit lower or, or under-drafted potentially that do do well, and those stories are always good. Every football team has some of those. We'll talk more about the Jaguars. Uh, we'll talk to Juwan Taylor today, and uh, the Jags should arrive here in about an hour or so, by the way, and then they're uh, all ready for that game in, in a little over 24 hours to take on the Miami Dolphins. But caught up with Juwan Taylor before I left, and he'll make his he's not injured uh you know which so many guys have been injured i guess there's a difference between being hurt and injured yeah <laughs> um but he wanted to make it crystal clear that he, he wasn't injured it was more precautionary stuff remember he banged his knee against baltimore in that second practice and did not play in the first two preseason games but i think Jawan taylor who so many have penciled in to be the right tackle of this football team we get a chance to see him tomorrow night in another one of those boxes we would like to have checked uh, do you think this guy can handle that job right off the rip, or do you have concerns, especially since we haven't seen him in a football game yet? I think that, you know, anytime you have a rookie out there for his first preseason game, there's going to be some concerns. Now, I, I get it. He is your prototypical right tackle. You know, that this guy plays, um, you know, with a little bit of an attitude, a little chip on his shoulder, which I can appreciate playing on the defensive line. That's what you want out of every right tackle. But at the same time, I mean, you know, he's he's only had the practice reps so far. And once the lights are on and everything, once teams are starting to blitz, once, the, you know, the, it's basically live reps, uh, it, could, it can be a little different. So uh, I'm not going to say he's going to have a bad game or anything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if, if he has a couple false steps here or there um, in terms of his pass sets or just run blocking. But, but overall, I think you're going to see a, a, a pretty good right tackle tomorrow in Juwan Taylor. And I'm just excited that you finally get to see basically your starting offensive line pending Will Richardson, where, you know, if he's going to start or not. But um, you're, you're going to see a lot of your starters tomorrow offensive line, which is going to be promising, especially from the first two preseason games here where all things considered, the, the, there has been some leaks up front. The ebbs and flows of the preseason are fantastic, aren't they? Uh, you know, the panic all offseason really about the offensive line, the other talk about the offensive line, and then all of a sudden nothing was healthy on this offensive line this entire month of August until, bam, right now, here they are. They're all healthy. In fact, Cam Robinson's going to play, and Andrew Norwell's going to play. Brendan Linder's been healthy all camp. Uh, A.J. Can, Will Richardson battling for the right spot, so you have two guys, and then Jawan Taylor looks healthy, and Cedric is healthy too. So you really have seven guys in your rotation and they're all healthy now and there are not a lot of question marks about health it's funny how it flips you know we we just grab onto something there's not a lot to grab onto in the preseason because there's not a, a game full of starters every single week but i think it's also uh, just the cautionary tale of how it changes and that being said it can change again in a heartbeat coming out of this game tomorrow night a lot can change into friday in the next couple of weeks at how you feel about this football team even from a health standpoint Brent, speaking of the health standpoint, and yeah, we, you know, I'm excited to talk about the guys that are playing uh, on Thursday against Miami. But you know, the one guy that's not playing that's on the on the list here uh, that Doug Marone announced, Jeff Swam, sitting out his second preseason game here. I mean, do you have any kind of inside info here? Like, is this kind of a serious injury? Um, are they just being more cautious with Jeff Swam? Because let's be honest, this is a first year guy in the system, the first year guy in Jacksonville. I get, you know, I think he's a five year vet now, but it's still a guy that you want to see in your starting tight end. Uh, it's definitely a guy you want to see in that starting offense and see where his role is. And right now, unfortunately, he's not playing. 
Well, I think it's a good point. In fact, I was going over the Jags roster today. We're working on our countdown to kickoff show for tomorrow night. That'll be at 7 o'clock on Fox 30 tomorrow. We're doing an hour show. And once again, we kind of asked this question, right? The offensive line, is it a concern? Tight ends, how much of a concern? Backup running back, how much is it a concern? And I think uh, everybody has their varying opinions. But I do think tight end is a concern because Jeff Swaim has such an injury history. Uh, that was his knock in Dallas. There's some excitement about what his game can bring if he stays healthy. Well, here he is. He's not healthy, did not play last week, uh, won't play again this week, and they also don't have Charles Jones. They also don't have Josh Oliver, so there's more problems at tight end than just Swain. But I do think you bring up a good point, and to answer your question directly, I don't know how severe this is. I I haven't been around the last couple of days um, back in Jacksonville, so I hope to find that out a little bit more today, and I think I will before tomorrow night for sure. But uh, where Swaim is in terms of projected for the opener, I think he's probably still on track. Uh, My guess is it's one of these injuries that uh, are very precautionary um, because you just don't want to mess around this time of year, and he is a veteran. And he was out on the field the first couple of weeks. He played in the first preseason game, in fact. Uh, So... I think they're probably being very cautious, and I think we would have had some kind of announcement or at least thought of concern uh, over these last couple of days about Swaim if it was a long-term or something that might even enter the season. So that's not a very good answer, not a very direct answer, but hope to find out a little bit more because I was thinking the same thing today. I was like, all right, how long is this going to linger, or is this just a cautionary thing, get him ready for the regular season? The guy has experience, so you're not concerned. Uh, last time I talked to him a couple weeks ago, he was picking up Filippo's offense, even though there's complexity to it from the tight end spot. So he felt comfortable and felt good with Foles, and he's been working with Foles. So I don't think that's a major issue, but I do think your initial question of just, is he going to be ready to go, certainly is a good one, because we're not sure Josh Oliver will be ready to go, and if they don't have Oliver, and they don't have Swain, you certainly don't feel very good about this tight end group. Uh, O'Shaughnessy obviously has some experience, Koyak has a little experience, but very few experience a lot of splash plays and a lot of productivity at the NFL level. So uh, something definitely to keep an eye on, Austin. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, and this, this kind of came unexpectedly, at least from my part, with Jeff Swaim. I mean, I, I get it. He was out the, the second preseason game here in Jacksonville. I just assumed, all right, well, maybe, you know, it's, it's a minor thing or whatever. He'll be ready to go uh, you know, the, the third preseason game. But now that he's sitting out, kind of leads to see if it's a little more serious or not. But, yeah, you know, you, you have guys like James O'Shaughnessy and Ben Koyak. Um, and... <laughs> I don't want to say I'm not optimistic about those options if they were the starters this season, but let's be honest, Brent, we kind of know what we're getting with both of them. I mean, we kind of know what we're getting with Jeff Swaim as well, but the thing with Swaim was the fact that he played behind uh, some pretty good, you know, at least one good tight end in Dallas for for uh, a long time. So he was always kind of like this second guy, I feel like. So I was kind of curious to see how he would, you know, take to that starting role now and kind of being the guy at that tight end spot with Josh Oliver out now, but it'll be something to keep track of. Yeah, both those guys, uh, they need tight end production. And I think Filippo can work magic with some of the tight ends, but they need him on the field to be able to work that magic. Uh, all right, man, uh, quick, uh, coming up in about an hour, you're going to have an interview with Alex Magoo. And you're like, okay, Magoo, he's the third-string quarterback. He might make it on the practice squad. But I've told you before, Nick Foles even said he might have more swag than any other QB in the NFL. Your interview is about a guy that's a quarterback that has a sleeve of tattoos and a sleeve of tattoos, one on his arm, one on his leg. So uh, get your tattoo talking ready. Yeah. Give us a little preview of that thing. I heard it was like a documentary, by the way. 
You like this guy. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, <laughs> it's funny how, how we approached it because originally, you know, I was going to stand up. And by the way, this is my first time going into the locker room and trying to do an interview. So that was a little different yeah. scene as well. <laughs> uh, but I knew I was going to interview Did you Alex. go like a touch your old locker? Uh, no, man, no. no, 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 no my locker room looks so different now. I didn't know where my locker was, like, in, in correlation. So, no, I didn't touch my old locker, anything like that. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, me and Alex had the interview. And originally what it, what it was going to be was, uh, you know, he asked if he, he could, if he could sit down, basically. I'm like, yeah, that's cool, man. So then I, in turn, and I'm not sure if it's professional or not, but I actually sat in Alfred Blue's locker. And, and I'm glad he was cool with that because it was about a 12-minute interview. But, uh, you know, I mean, Yeah, not really it, professional, but that's okay. okay Okay, sorry. I mean, yeah, whatever. But like, it, it was a great interview though because Brent, you, you, you know how I do it, man. Like, I, I want to make the guy I'm, I'm interviewing feel as comfortable as possible, right? Like, I just want to feel like we're we're just chatting in a bar or something like that. So that's what I try to do with Alex Magoo. And uh, yeah, we, we have some great audio and stuff coming up. He had his shirt off, which was a little awkward. Not sure if he was trying to show me up or anything like that. I told him he was going to go on YouTube. He's like, oh yeah, then I was, I'll go and. Uh, keep my shirt off so that was a little uh whatever good for him i guess you know increase the brand do what you got to do but um and there's some questions that unfortunately didn't get uh showed in the interview here that i'm gonna bring up after we play it because um he he goes into great depths about playing with russell wilson and some of the differences that he's encountered uh playing under wilson and playing under Foles, and then also uh kind of how he's approaching preseason game number four because what people don't realize with preseason game number four a lot and this is with every team that i've been on and i assume this year's team is going to do the same thing where yes they're playing the falcons preseason game number four in jacksonville but the coaching staff and all the starters are going to be on the kansas city already so they're going to be busy putting in that install for kansas city during preseason game number four week so i kind of asked um alex magoo basically like, how, how does he approach that how did he approach in Seattle, knowing that literally your coaches aren't going to do you any favors because your coaches are on to Kansas City. How, how do you you know prep for that? How do you get ready for that? So I actually asked him that too. It's not going to be in the audio part, but I'll kind of share those things as well. All right, uh, looking forward to your interview with Alex Magoo. And don't make fun of a guy who's not wearing a shirt. I mean, after all, we saw your shorts that you had in, in your cage match a couple of uh, times ago. So. No, they they were super aggressive, and we actually talked about Alex Magoo's shorts as well that he wears at practice because if you thought mine were short in the cage, uh, he's pushing it too. So, yeah, I actually brought up that question with him as well. All right, Alex Magoo and Austin talking football and tattoos. Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post used to cover the Jags for the Florida Times Union joins us weekly. We'll talk all about the other teams in the NFL and what's going on in Denver uh, with Drew Locke. So we have that on the way a little bit later. My interview with Jawan Taylor. We'll have my conversation with James Blackman. You hear me, Florida State fans? We're coming at you for a third straight day with some Knowles talk, and we will talk Gators and Canes. Jags arriving here in South Florida in a little bit. I'll be open arms welcoming the Jags here at the uh, hotel in Fort Lauderdale, a little north of Miami. What a location we have for today on the Wednesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging with us from Fort Lauderdale to Jacksonville. Hey, it's Dan Levitard from the Dan Levitard Show. With you got, you're listening to Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, Austin, did you get a little love from Levitard? Yep, I appreciate it, guys. How much did you pay him? I just figured since I was coming down to South Florida. Oh, you guys are hanging out? Maybe we get a little love. Uh, you yeah, guys are hanging you know. out over there? 
Good buddy of mine. <laughs> Stugatz. Stugatz. Oh, I'm, I'm glad I could uh, be brought up in the conversation, man. It means a lot. It, you know, in hindsight, I should have seen if uh, Stugatz could come on the show or something because I'm pretty sure when we had him on uh, when we first started this thing that he said he drives like an hour and 15 minutes, and I think he lives north of Miami, so he probably lives up in the Fort Lauderdale area. I forget exactly where he said, mm-hmm. but I know he drives into uh, the studios, and it takes him an hour, 15, hour and a half. Now, some of that's probably traffic-related, but I think he lives closer to here than he does to Miami. Should have had him on. Should have had him on the show, yeah. I mean, you know, he has the whole Stugatz army, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I guess those guys kind of roll deep. Hopefully one day we can get our own army or something like that. I, yeah, one, I, I was kind of day at a time. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that. Like Brent, if we had, you know, like, like a cult follow. I mean, okay, I'm not gonna call it a cult, but if we had some kind of following, I'll take we, a cult following. Okay, if we had a cult following, you know, like a bunch of people that are, you know, r- r- ride or dies, as the kids say. What would we call the the group here? <laughs> day ones. Day ones. Well, it's gotta be like six ninety something, like squad. The six ninety years. Six ni- oh, jeez. Uh, the six ninety years? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty uh, aggressive. Yep. Uh <laughs> six ninety squad. Okay. But I don't know, it kinda sounds like a cheerleading group. I like the <laughs> I I like the, hey, we're the six ninety squad, like w- with our pom poms and yeah. everything. Nah. How yeah. how about this, Brent? How about the six ninety syndicate? Six ninety syndicate. All right. I don't mind that. Not bad. I'd have to put that out there for uh Okay. To, or maybe we can maybe it can be something about like um something to do with like the cage or or a little fighting or or something a little more violent, you know? Okay. You <laughs> play football and beat people up for a living. Okay, I mean go ahead and exploit me, so be it. That's fine. Uh anything for the well, team. No, I mean I'm a bouncer at like the cheesecake factory stuff. So. <laughs> That's a dang good point, Brent. <laughs> but uh, although I'm not sure how much fighting is going on out at the Cheesecake Factory, I guess maybe if they like if they throw out of a, like if they throw out of like a flavor or something like that. But yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, bounce with us here on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, we are uh, once again worlds apart, or at least 350 <laughs> miles apart. Uh, Action Sports Jacks, uh, Austin Lane in the studios in Jacksonville. I'm down here at the Marriott Beach Harbor Resort in Fort Lauderdale, a little north of Miami. Of course, the Jaguars uh, play the Dolphins tomorrow night. That game can be seen on Fox 30, 8 o'clock game, nationally televised. And uh, we'll have a pregame show from 7 to 8 on TV. So a one-hour pregame before the third preseason game of the year. And uh, Jack should arrive to South Florida uh, right here in about uh, 45 minutes or so. So Jaguars on their way and, and uh, getting ready for all the uh, the game day kind of things they do in the preseason. It's a long wait in the preseason. You know, you have all night tonight and then all day tomorrow. Uh, but it should be uh, anticipated and highly anticipated to see what the starters can do for the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night. Hey, I've had a, a topic that I wanted to get to. Last Friday, uh, even Monday and Tuesday, and we, we just haven't uh, been there yet. And so I want to do it right now. Pass interference in the NFL got changed this year, and it's reviewable. Doug Marone in the first uh, preseason game actually threw out a flag, the challenge flag, early and wanted to kind of test it and feel it out and, and get some work in for the rest, but also I think for him and his eyes and what they're going to call. Last week, I think it was Josh Robinson uh, in the corner of the end zone. You remember the play, Austin, where there was a little tug on the Eagles uh, jersey? Yeah. And at first it was ruled incomplete. It looked like a nice play. Uh, Doug Peterson challenges it. 
and he wins the challenge. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say this, first of all. Was it pass interference? Yeah. Because of the tug on the jersey? I would say probably yes. It also, at the very same time, looked like a pretty nice play overall. It looked like kind of what goes on during the course of a, a play uh, with a receiver and a cornerback. You know, I mean, sometimes there's some fighting that happens. Mm-hmm. And I thought overall, first in fast, in fast motion, I thought for sure it was a great play, really nice play. And then when they slowed it down, you're like, okay, you can see a little bit of a, a hold on the jersey. I mean, it was a little bit, but, I mean, I could see it. And I just don't think that is the spirit of why they changed this rule to be reviewable. And so I don't – I sat there and I was like, I think they're going to overturn this, but I don't think they should overturn this. I think it needs to be obvious. Again, jump off the couch kind of thing, like we saw in the Saints game and the Rams game and the NFC Championship game that got us to this point. And – I thought that one was a little over the top, and if it is, I feel bad for defensive backs, man, because it's already a hard position to play. You can't get away with anything. There's moving picks on every. There's picks on every play. Um, It's a tough position to play, and they have just made it even harder to play for the cornerback position. Exactly, you know, and basically this is another rule that is put in place that kind of screws over the defense a little bit, right? Um, I remember watching that play, and it's kind of just like you said, Brent, where I thought it was a fantastic play, and then I was actually kind of taken back a little bit when Peterson decided to throw that play. I was like, what is, you know, why would you challenge that? And then, of course, they showed the instant replay. Um, yeah, the, you know, the, there was a little arm grab there, grabbing on a jersey. But even that, you know, like, that's kind of a different argument because I was like, well, just, I mean, that's barely anything just to let him play. Like, I, I felt like his route wasn't really that adjusted. But if you look at the rule book, you know, that is pass interference, so I get that. But you're not doing the, the defense any favors here. And, and and I get it. You're trying to make things right from last year, rightfully so, because the New Orleans Saints did get screwed out of that game. But now it's it's like almost like the it's like the other extreme, right, Brent, where you can't even really touch a guy and, and in plays that you would watch on full speed and be like, Oh yeah, that's a great defensive play there on, on that cornerback. Now like everything's under a microscope and even like a little hand placement here, a little hand placement there will be called the pass interference so yeah it's just uh it sucks to see from my perspective because obviously i'm a defensive guy and this uh, make no mistake about it i mean the game is just so fast you know and, and it's hard to explain exactly how fast it is especially from the corner position which i would have no idea about i mean i think i guarded a tight end a couple times that's about it and it was stressful for me but that <laughs> that game is just so fast you know when, when you're playing that corner spot and now to kind of nitpick every little hand placement every little grab here and there i just don't want to see it get too out of hand where it's it's number one a slowing down the game and number two just basically changing how defenses approach offenses now well, you know, and here's the deal. There's holding on every play in the NFL, right? Correct. Offensive or defensive. Yeah. Every play. So you can call it on every play. And I think when – I think this sometimes does happen, man. I think it's like basketball. In basketball, there's a foul on every play. In some way, shape, or form, there's a foul on every play. And so I think when things need to be evened out, a flag can be thrown or a whistle can be blown, and you can probably find what you're looking for if you're or an official or referee. I mean, it's like the, the police who have to meet the quota at the end of the month. I can go find myself somebody speeding, yeah. you know? So, I mean, that is that is what it is. But we know things happen on every play, and it's part of the sport. It's, part, it's why the sport's so physical. It's why it's so competitive on the outside, on the edges. And... I really think it's it's doing the defensive backs a disservice if you're going to call them that close and honestly.
think we may have I lost. Mean, even the one, I think it. I think it was uh, uh, even the the first game, guys, that the Marone maybe threw the flag and the challenge flag, and I think even that one was debatable. Like, if you wanted to nitpick, you might have been able to say it was interference, but the officials stayed away from it. See, I thought that was the right call. You don't want to be ticky-tack and changing that on review frame by frame. I just think at the end of the day, it's got to be obvious, and it's going to be something to watch. Now, things change from the preseason to the regular season, admittedly so. We saw that with the helmet, uh, leading with the helmet rule uh, last year up in Minnesota. It got called twice against the Jags, and then I don't remember it getting called again in the regular season. So we'll see how the officials change that up um, this year based on preseason, regular season, but everybody's getting used to it, and I just hope we don't nitpick too much on that call and let those guys play a little bit. And here's my issue with it, Brent. Um, To me, it's taking out one of the the best coverages and one of the best things about playing defense, and and that's the man coverage. And when I see players like Jalen Ramsey, A.J. Boye, I mean, those are two guys who can benefit a lot in man coverage. They're physical, they're long, they have great recovery, and they depend on you know some hand placement in, in order to win those battles and one-on-one against the wide receiver. And I think that if we start nitpicking every single play and throwing the challenge like on pass interferences, this is going to hurt those aggressive defensive teams that play that man-to-man coverage sometimes. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not sure exactly what the, what the Jaguars will play this year. If it'll be a lot, a lot more cover three like last year or if they're going to go man. But this is really going to hurt the man coverage teams here, Brent, because they depend on physicality and they depend on getting up in the receiver's face. Well, now all of a sudden, if you have the ability to challenge every single route, uh, it's going to hurt the defenses a lot. A rational Jags fan jumps in. If I'm a head coach playing the Texans, I'm throwing at least one flag per game on DeAndre Hopkins. Offensive pass interference based upon <laughs> how they're calling P.I. challenges in the preseason. You know what? He's got a point. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is guilty of that all the time. He uses those long arms, and he gets away with it. Because offensive guys can get away with it a lot more than even the defensive guys can get away with it on the pass interference. Uh, not a bad call right there uh, to, to look into that and see that. And I'm so interested to see how this is called. Gosh, I hope it doesn't change the game so much. Give me the jump-off-the-couch play that is wrong and you want to fix. I'm all for it. A little slight tug on a jersey with the ball in the air. Come on now. Let them play. Mm-hmm. Let them play and go make a play. Uh, when we come back, let's talk some college football. Hey, Knowles fans, you're going to love us for a third straight day. We're going to get to Gators and Canes in a bit as well. But I want to get to James Blackman before he gets named the starting quarterback. I caught up with him in Tallahassee a couple days ago. My conversation with James Blackman, who I think will be the starting quarterback for the Knowles, on the way next on ESPN 690. Oh, I want to go for a swim out here. Beautiful spot, South Florida. Fort Lauderdale, Marriott Beach Harbor Resort. Fantastic place. Love it. Sweating a little bit, but that's okay. Could go jump in a pool over there or the ocean right over here. Soon enough, shade will be coming my way right over the palm trees. Just a perfect setting. Brett Martineau here. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. Must feel like jail up there. Uh... Physically, maybe a little bit with all the rain. Mentally, yeah, because I have to work with Coos today again by myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's all I good, am man. so sorry. It's all good. Um, and by the way, you'll have to do it again tomorrow. Uh, we'll be live down at Hard Rock Stadium. you have to do it again on Friday. I'll be on. live at Lake City, Columbia, 
We begin our game of the week uh, on Friday night. It's really fun. I'm getting excited about it, too. We did some homework uh, yesterday and today and, and really have been for the last few days. It's going to be a lot of fun. we got a great game to start. Uh, Trinity Christian with all their talent, all their success. Uh, one of the power programs in the state of Florida against uh, Columbia High School out of Lake City. Again, a very, very good program and probably underrated at times. And this game will feature so many good players uh, including Jordan Smith, the quarterback from Columbia, is a USF commit. In fact, Columbia has three USF commits, and they have a wide receiver going to USF as well. So you take that QB wide receiver combo, and you put it against the defensive backs for Trinity Christian, and I can't wait to watch it because Fred Davis is going to Clemson. He's a five-star guy. Uh, Miles Brooks is going to Georgia Tech. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch this game, and especially that matchup. Uh, we'll do that Friday night. We'll have our show there 3 to 6 in the afternoon uh, to get everybody fired up for it. And then at 730 you can join uh, Kevin Sullivan and myself on the call of the game right here on ESPN 690. And our hope is to have it on all the platforms like we do with the radio show. So a little video. It won't be um, too, oh, let's just say it won't, won't be like a five-camera shoot on the, uh, on the video side, but hopefully at least one camera. Uh, so you can see the action a little bit and definitely the audio on all the different platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, even Twitch and Mixer, and, of course, on the radio side, and you can listen on ESPN690.com. So a lot of fun on that. That leads up to the Friday Night Blitz this Friday, week number one of the regular season. There's some good matchups all around the area. We've got cameras all over the area, and uh, we'll have that for you later on Friday night, 1030 on Fox 30, 1115 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. So that sets the table for the high school situation. Uh, looking forward to it at the end of the week. Let's talk about the college situation, and I'm going to get to the Canes and Gators. We're going to ramp up our coverage of the Canes and Gators here uh, today and into the next couple of days. But uh, third day in a row, Florida State fans, you loving us yet? I mean, I mean, how about that? At three days in a row for FSU. See, that's what happens. I go to Tallahassee. I get all this uh, reaction, have conversations with guys, and that's fun. Let's, uh, let's talk about it a little bit more. We spent a lot of time yesterday talking about the QB situation, Hornybrook um, and uh, James Blackman. Did you ever come away with a conclusion? Are you convinced just because – you're not convinced it's going to be Hornybrook, you're convinced it's Blackman, or what Kendall Bryles said, you're convinced it's Blackman? I'm just convinced that it's not going to be Hornybrook because I watched Hornybrook play for three <laughs> years at Wisconsin. And that's all I need to go off of, you know? Yeah. Um, sophomore year, 2017, I thought that's when all the hype kind of came about. Uh, he threw 25 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Um, Wisconsin had a, a good season overall. And then 2018 is when all the hype started to set up for Wisconsin. You know, everyone was kind of taking them in their, you know, like they're kind of like their dark horse team to, to go to the playoffs. Uh, Wisconsin had an abysmal season last year. Hornetbrook only threw for 13 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. And I, I truly believe if you play in that offense, Brent, and I'm not sure how much Wisconsin Badger football you watch, but w- when you have a dominant offense, line when you have Jonathan Taylor one of the best running backs if not the best running back in the nation toad in the rock it should be pretty easy to set up play action and uh, it should be pretty easy for you to play quarterback at those for, for Wisconsin for whatever reason Hornibrook uh, kind of digressed for lack of a better word last year um, and like I said while he you know he chose to leave Wisconsin uh, they weren't really necessarily sad to see him go so when we're t- putting all that in perspective and I think with James Blackman who's kind of the kind of like that leader now I mean especially in terms of being a v- 
vocal leader, you know, uh, whether he's on Twitter or whatever else he is. Um, you know, it seems like the, the his teammates really take to him. And I think it would be kind of an awkward scene if James Blackman wasn't going to be the starter. You started the, you started a new guy in Hornerbrook. I feel like the whole team dynamic, especially in a in a in a season where you have to win ball games, you have to be on the same page coming from a horrible season last year for Florida State. I feel like you have to start James Blackman just to have some of that continuity. Similar uh, instances with Wisconsin, what you described, the running back situation with Jonathan Taylor. See, I think Cam Akers is a fantastic player. Mm -hmm. I think his guy's a fantastic talent. And, boy, did they misuse him last year. And part of that was the offensive line wasn't good. The difference at Wisconsin is the offensive line, they usually have the beef. They're usually pretty good up front. Uh, Florida State has not been good up front for a long, long time now, and they have to get better up front. We'll see if they're able to do that or if the scheme is able to hide that. A bit. Well, caught up with James Blackman the other day while I was in Tallahassee, and it begins with the question of, well, is he going to be the starter or not? It's a tough question right now, but I just leave that up to coach to answer. I just come out and do my job, do my part, help the team get better, whatever I have to do to help the team get better. Um, that's all I come out and do and work hard every day. James, how much uh, do you guys have a handle on what Coach Taggart wants to do now that you've been through this thing, and, and how much have you adapted to it? Um, I feel like we got a great handle on what, what Coach wants. Um, being in it the second year, I feel like we're doing a great job of knowing the system, knowing what he wants us to do, knowing how he wants us to do it. I feel like we're doing a dr- great job of understanding what he wants us to do and executing what he wants us to do. So I feel like we're in a great position right now. How about on the offensive end? Uh, how tricky is it been to learn uh, Coach Brown's offense? Is, is that um, been easier than you might have thought it would be? Um, it's not too tricky. Um, it's actually fun. Whenever you get get changed, you love to have change because you get to find a way to adapt and find ways to be great. So I feel like it's been a good experience having three offensive coordinators in the last three years I've been here. I feel like you can't do nothing without adapting. So adapt, you got to be able to adapt. How about your maturation, James, uh, going through all this, uh, what you've been through in Tallahassee? You mentioned the three different offenses. Uh, how do you feel? How comfortable are you now that this could be your offense? Um, it, feels, it feels great because you know, and all the hard work that you done put in is finally paying off. So I feel like I just can't wait to be able to put it on display. How different is it, the whole playbook, no playbook thing? I mean, is it backyard football? Does it have that kind of sense to it? I mean, you guys are so structured uh, normally as football players, but to not kind of have that written down, is that strange? No, it's not strange because you get to play the game that you've been playing all your life um, just by being comfortable. It's not really backyard football, but it's just getting you in your comfort zone. Then you go back to the old you, like when you was in the backyard playing football when you were like seven years old. So just getting you back to the, to the basics. You're not writing in the dirt? Sir? You're not writing in the dirt? No, nah, you're not writing in the dirt. No, nah. it's more detailed than that. <laughs> Do the guys like it, though? Most I mean, definitely. Can you sense that, though, in the huddle? Can you sense that out on the field? Most definitely. They love it because they know we're going to go out and compete every day. They give us a chance to go out and have a great day against the defense, knowing that we got a great defense. So I feel like everybody's loving it, and everybody's taking taking what, it, taking what they give them. We're from Jacksonville, man, less than two weeks away from being in Jacksonville against Boise State. Uh, can you talk about that game a little bit and how big it is to get a W right off the rip in 2019? Um, it's going to be very big to come out with a win because we're going to let everybody know that we're not gone, let everybody know that we're coming back and we're going to finish what we started from coming back to being the Florida State that we're supposed to be. So I can't wait to be down there on the 31st. It's going to be a great experience. You know, we got DJ Matthew from Duval, so we're going down there to put on the show. How much of a chip is on your shoulder because of all this last year? I seen a little quote that Odell posted. He said he had a chip on his shoulder. It's starting to grow stale. I feel the same way. 
had a chip on my shoulder that'll never change. I'm always have the chip on my shoulder. I feel like it's growing still right now, but it's still there. That's James Blackman. Uh, hopefully it'll be the, well, at least for Seminole fans, it should be the starting quarterback. Uh, if not, it's going to go to Alex Hornerbrook, but liked a lot of his answers. A guy that plays the chip on his shoulder, I can respect that. It seems like he's kind of that leader in that locker room. And all things considered, you know, I mean, it's like Brent was saying, when you call it like that backyard football a little bit, kind of the improv, uh, you know, the ability to improvise a little bit. Um, I like that for Blackman a lot more than I like that for Hornibrook. Uh, truth be told, and listen, I'm, I'm not trying to knock on Hornibrook. I'm just telling you what I've seen watching him. And kind of the story on Hornibrook is whenever he would leave the pocket, whenever he'd kind of get in space and, you know, try to create something of his own, whether it's a pass play or whatever, you'd kind of hold your breath a little bit as a Badgers fan because usually that would result in a bad pass and sometimes an interception. So um, from that perspective with the offense that Florida State's running now, I like that for James Blackman a lot more. I like it for Hornibrook, at least by what I've heard so far. But we'll see. You know, We'll see if this is actually gamesmanship, and that's all it is, uh, done by Coach Willie Taggart, or it's actually a little more to it, and Hornibrook could be the starter. But if I was hedging my bet, if I was putting my son's tuition on it, Go ahead and give me James Blackman. But I'm not doing that, though. I'll say that for FanDuel and uh, DraftKings for the NFL season. When we get back, going to do a little stay in your lane a little early today. And uh want to get some thoughts on Madden ratings. Has it gone too far? Do we need to stop? Talk about that and a lot more, especially with the Jacksonville Jaguars. ESPN 690, stay tuned. I've earned the right with Zeke to joke. Period. I've earned it. But let me be real clear about it. I've earned that right to joke. <laughs> First of all, let me start by saying that Trey Wingle just said my name, and that's pretty cool. Second of all, that's Jerry Jones from the Dallas Cowboys, owner, uh, money mover, boss, if you will, CEO. Jerry, I understand, man, you're a billionaire. You've been really the face of that franchise for a long time now. Yes, you've earned the right to joke. But guess who doesn't think that joke was funny? The guy you're making the joke about, Ezekiel Elliott. And when you're doing, you're supposed to be doing this long-term contract with Ezekiel Elliott to try to lock him up, make him one of the highest-paid running backs in the NFL, and I get talks and negotiations are kind of uh, staggering. You don't want to pay the guy. That's cool, and that's whatever you want to do. I'm I'm not a businessman. I'm not an owner. I'm not a GM. So that's on you. But I'm just saying, go ahead and joke around all you want. But you're joking about the 2017 rushing champion of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, I'm sorry, 2018 rushing champion of the Dallas Cowboys. You're joking about a guy that finished top 10 in rushing in 2017, uh, only playing in 10 games. Ezekiel Elliott makes that team run. So either you got to pay the man or you don't pay the man. I, I understand that. But cracking jokes and disrespecting him, not going to be a good look. But, hey, you're you're the billionaire uh, I'm not, so do whatever you want to do. But I'm just talking about from a player's perspective. When players are trying to get paid, when players are putting their body on the line and they're waiting for a new contract, the last thing they want to hear is being the butt of a joke. Rant ended. <laughs> Fair enough. But, you know, but do you think, like, he had a point saying, like, you know, with his qualifications and everything he's done, he has a right to make a joke like that? I mean, you, you have a right to do whatever you want, Jerry Jones. You know, like you, you've, listen, I, I don't even know how you made your money. I understand you got a pretty good mind for football. Haven't won a lot of Super Bowls lately. Shots have been fired from ESPN 690. Say what you want. But 
Yeah, you you run the team, so say whatever you want to say. I'm just saying if you want to have that good camaraderie, if you want, if you want to have a good relationship with your players, I probably wouldn't be making jokes no matter how foolish or, you know, uh, out of the air they are. I still wouldn't be doing it, especially with a guy who's a leader of that team uh, who is probably your best player in that team. So that's all I'm saying. Because uh, we got a phone call here. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'm still learning this new seat and everything. Well, I guess we can get into stay in your lane real quick then. Uh, Brent is off doing an interview with Clayus Campbell. Hopefully we'll have that interview later today on the show, if not tomorrow. Uh, just living it up in Miami while we're here uh, putting the real work in here in Jacksonville. But we'll do stay in your lane real quick here. Cruise control. Cruise, one of my favorite times of the seasons is Christmas. Another time is Fourth of July. And another time that's happening right now is watching videos of walk-ons getting full-ride scholarships. Check out Mason Ramirez here uh, for the University of Texas, the Texas Longhorns. After uh, after they had a team meeting, breaking down some practice film, he got a pretty cool surprise. Our player of the game had a hell of a day, man. Love what you're doing, Mason. Here's a, here's a player right here. Blocked really, really well up front, and then Mason taking off of that speed, going all the way to the house. Growing up, I'd have given anything for one day in this room. Run down that field one day with my state on my chest. With my family on my back and look at my parents in the stands and I said we did it because it, it was never about me. Um, I didn't care about anything about myself um, or anything like that. I just wanted to come in and work for y'all, be a part of the greater good. I love you guys. Hook them. Keep it together. Goosebumps. Keep it together. Ooh, man, I'll tell you what. Those stories get me right there. More than any Nicholas Sparks book that got made into a movie, more than anything, man. Like those are, are some of the greatest stories uh, that can be told. And you see them every single year, and I, and I know it's kind of repetitive uh, with these stories. But you talk about, and I don't think people really understand unless you've been there, unless you've been in the fire. Um, being a walk-on, you know, I mean, having to pay your your own way. Basically, you're you're paying to get your butt kicked in training camp. You're paying to be maybe a scout team player or a backup reserve player. But you're basically paying uh, to go through all this punishment. And then every once in a while, um, there's a special guy. The cream will rise to the top, and a guy will, you know, basically single himself out as being that scholarship guy. And it happens every single year on a lot of different teams. And I, I love celebrating those guys because. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. You know, if I had it my way, when I was coming up in high school, I mean, I was getting recruited by the University of Wisconsin. They wanted me to walk on. Unfortunately, walking on wasn't really an option from the fact that, you know, it costs a lot of money to go to University of Wisconsin. Didn't really have that at the time. But um, anytime a player believes in himself that much to walk on, try to make that team get a scholarship, I'm all for it. So props out to Mason Ramirez and all the other walk-ons out there uh, getting ready to get their full-ride scholarships. Pump your brakes real quick. And this kind of stemmed from watching Hard Knocks last night. Uh, once again, kind of a, a blah show. Address Antonio Brown a little bit, but you can tell that John Gruden is like the editor of editors when in terms of like how he's coming across because he's literally making himself seem like him and Antonio Brown are best friends. I don't know how you can come across so nice about him when the guys mispractice over his helmet. Whatever, but a big another big story was the Madden ratings. And listen, 
I guess there's Madden adjusters now that will come to practice and adjust your rating based on what they see. And you're starting to see this more and more now. A punter from the San Francisco 49ers came out and said that he wants his tackling rating on Madden. A punter said this, wants his tackling rating up a little bit because he, he made a tackle in a preseason game. And I don't know where we're going as a society or in the NFL, but I want to tackle that a little bit next when we get back from ESPN 690 here. I think you probably need to go back and look and He's got the, uh, you know, he's got the ability to to decide whatever he wants. But that was during the draft when that was going on. I mean, he's a football fan also, so I don't really have any comment for it. And I'm pretty sure he wouldn't. So uh, it's nothing against Daniel Jones. It's just he was talking, you know. <laughs> Come on, Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> that, was, that was a good way of protecting Baker Mayfield. But I'm really sure Freddie Kitchens doesn't want his players taking shots at other guys, uh, whether that was way back or even now. Uh, I don't think he would endorse it at the very least. But he protects his quarterback, and, and that's probably what should be done uh, at this stage of it heading into the season. Brett Martineau here down in South Florida. Jaguars just arrived. I stepped out for 10 minutes or so, caught up with Calais Campbell. And uh, we'll have that conversation. I'll probably hang that, uh, hang on to that until tomorrow uh, leading up to game time. But uh, Jags are arrived in South Florida, ready for preseason game. Uh, number three, the starters will play. Calais Campbell said earlier this week, said, I don't need to play, but if I get a couple of drives, that's fine. He actually reminded me a few days ago that uh, he didn't play much his first year here in Jacksonville because he had a bit of an ankle injury. And that obviously didn't bother him not playing a lot in the preseason that year because he came out against Houston Texans and had like four and a half sacks. <laughs> so uh, that yeah. was not a problem. Brett Morton, down in South Florida, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jack Studios. And now we welcome in Ryan O'Halloran, who joins us weekly to talk a little NFL, talk some Jags, talk some Denver Broncos, former uh, beat writer for the Florida Times Union, covering the Jags now with the Denver Post, covering the Broncos. What is up, Ryan O? We're going to get some starting action this week for the Jacks. Yeah, it's about time. Good to join you again, guys. You, 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 you jogged my memory there. You're right about Calais. I mean, that seems like it's 20 years ago, and it was two years ago. A veteran like that, I think he just wants to get out there tomorrow night, spin his wheels a little bit, just to you know show, show himself that he's ready for week one. Yeah, let me uh, talk a little bit more about it because Frank Reich, I think, with the Colts has said he's not going to play his starters much in preseason game number three. And this traditionally is the one where you play everybody. We're seeing everybody do it different. The Rams did it different last year. Jaguars held out guys for the first two games this year. Now the Colts are saying, hey, we're not going to play our guys much, if at all, uh, on Saturday night when they play their third preseason game. Where are we at in this whole thing, Ryan? I mean, is, is it becoming uh, – I mean, I know it's a conversation point because we're in it. Uh, is it going yeah. to become a bigger league-wide issue where at owners' meetings and, and things like that, they start discussing more and more? And how involved is this topic when we discuss the new CBA? Well, I think all of the above. I'll start with the CBA. Um, I think they're going to have to cut the preseason, even if they don't extend the regular season. And I, thought, I, saw, I saw one good idea last week is maybe adding a playoff team and maybe expanding it that way to make up for some of that league revenue you're going to lose by cutting your preseason half. They have to do it. It's become a mockery. It's become a joke. It's become an embarrassment. But it's nobody's fault. Each coach wants to do what he feels is best to get his guys ready for for week one. Doug Marone felt it was his best course because I think he was spooked last year. He pretty much has admitted that. You know, Here in Denver, Vic Fangio said about an hour ago, playing his starters on Saturday night is up in the air. they got 78 guys practicing today. 
So That's you know, I think wow, he's, wow. He's, he's he's worried about losing more guys, more starters. So I think uh, it's going to be our guy Blake kicking apart this backup Denver defense <laughs> on Saturday night at the Coliseum. But to wrap that point up, Brent in Austin is at some point as an owner ownership group, you have to realize, okay, you're alienating your constituency and that's your fan base. That's, that's the people paying the tickets and all that. Do something for the good of the game. Say, hey, we're going to play two preseason games. We're going to start camp later, and we're going to try and prevent injuries in the month of August so, every, so more teams are ready to go in week one. Joined by Ryan O'Halloran here with the Broncos beat uh, for the Denver Post. Um, Ryan, you mentioned the starters playing or not playing. Uh, there's a lot of optimism that the starting offensive line is going to go this week against the Miami Dolphins. I watched that Broncos game a little bit, taking on San Fran, and Bradley Chubb kind of stood out to me um, as a big-time game wrecker. I mean, I think if you're a Jaguars fan, you have to be nervous having Von Miller and Bradley Chubb uh, rushing both corners. I mean, do you think they're probably the best pass rush tandem in the NFL? Because obviously Von Miller, one of the greats. Bradley Chubb, I think a little um, underappreciated, kind of making a name for himself already, though. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be. I mean, they combined for 25 sacks last year, and Chubb was a rookie. Uh, they are going to be more creative in how they line those two guys up. Last year, 99% of the time, Von Miller on the left side against the right tackle, Bradley Chubb on the blind side. You could see them lining up next to each other to create some matchups that way. Bradley Chubb is a 265-pound pass rusher, outside linebacker. He knows he knows speed and power. That's going to be a problem when the Jaguars get to Week Four. And, okay, Juwan Taylor, is he going to be ready? Cam Robinson, will he be up to speed? So I think that's going to be a challenge for a lot of uh, a lot of teams Broncos face. You know, you mentioned the Jaguars offensive line getting started. You know, right guard now with Will Richardson. You know, I think they I think they made the right decision re-signing A.J. Can because you cannot in a thousand years count on Brandon Linder or Andrew Norwell to make it through 16 games. So A.J. Can is going to play a lot this year, I think. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out, uh, you know, in the long run. Will Richardson is really impressed, and we've talked about it at length here on this show, and just how much bigger he is and, and the presence he is. And he's really turned his career around in one calendar year. It's been impressive and good for him. It's a nice story here in August for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post uh, covers the Broncos, but covers the entire NFL with us. You guys played uh, – you guys, sorry, I don't mean to put you on the team. Uh, the Broncos <laughs> – I hate when I do that. I absolutely hate when I do that. Uh, but Broncos uh, and 40 49ers. 49ers have been an interesting team, man. I like what they have done off the field and building their roster in so many different ways, yet they either get hurt, they don't feel like they're building towards something big this year, or, or they're a forgotten team because they're way out in San Fran. I don't hear about them enough. And then on top of that, Jimmy Garoppolo, is it like uh-oh time for Jimmy Garoppolo? That wasn't pretty the other day. No, it wasn't. You know, he had that five interception practice last week. He came here to, for the joint workouts, looked better, but he was uh, one of six for zero yards. First game back from the ACL, so you give a little bit of a pass there. Are they going to be able to protect him? Um, what's the running game going to look like? Receivers, I have issues there. So, I mean, you can't throw to George Kittle two hundred times. You could throw, you can sure as hell throw it to him a hundred times. He's going to make some plays, but he's banged up. So, I think with a West Coast team. I, I, I kind of liken it to the Jaguars two years ago. Nationally, you're going to be in prove-it mode because you're just not you're not in the, the main hub of this league, which is Mid-Atlantic, East Coast, Upper Midwest, that kind of thing. So, you know, the Niners open up at Tampa, then they spend a week in Youngstown, Ohio, practicing, and then they play the Bengals on the road. So I think we're going to find out pretty quickly about the Niners. 
Ryan, there's another team in your guys' division, the Oakland Raiders. Well, it's going to be the Las, Las Vegas Raiders coming up here pretty soon. But um, with a team like that, you know, getting all the getting all the I guess the cameras on them with the hard knocks and everything, and especially being the big story, Antonio Brown. Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole saga with Antonio Brown right now? And if you're a GM, I mean, do you basically just kind of take all that drama and just say, well, you know what, it's worth it because once it gets on the field, um, he's going to perform. I mean, I guess I got to ask you, does the talent outweigh all the distractions? Um, I think if your coach is John Gruden, yes. Um, I would not want to be in this situation if I was a first-time head coach um, because it just puts you in a bad spot. You know, after watching Hard Knocks last night, which I thought was just incredibly boring again, <laughs> Thank is what, what, what drove Mike Mayock to make that statement? Because the tone throughout that show is John Gruden is saying, hey, it's not ideal but we support him. When he gets here, he's going to be ready to go. We know that. And he looks like he is ready to go. Yet Mayock comes out, and I don't want to call it an ultimatum, but you know, I wouldn't have been surprised if AB would have said, well, bite me. I'm going to stay away until I get this thing resolved. So you know, this to me, it seemed like a little bit of a disconnect there. But you know, people are paying attention here because it is a division team, and they play in week one on Monday night, that late game. So I, I think Brown is going to be ready. But as you watch that Raider team, you see a lot of names, but you see a lot of names for like their second, third, fourth stops. You know, how much of a team are they really going to be right away? Yeah, and also getting back to the points of hard knocks too. I just think, I mean, I don't want to say it's sickening, but it's it's so obvious that John Gruden is like in the editing booth, kind of <laughs> copy and pasting all, all these clips and trying to make himself, you know, come come across as a, a player's coach and a guy that's got Antonio Brown's back, man. And um, I, I just feel like it kind of defeats the whole purpose of hard knocks, in my opinion. Well, and also, you know, I, is, I think he may have got spooked by Hugh Jackson last year um, where they had a knockdown drag out in a coaches meeting with him, Kitchens, and Haley, and that got a lot of attention. I mean, John Gruden does get final cut, but you have not, we have not seen one clip of a position meeting outside of Brentson Buckner. You have not seen anything about, hey, what do you like on this down, et cetera, et cetera. And like on the game on Thursday night against Arizona, you saw it on ESPN. I think they had a delay a game on an extra point. Gruden blew a gasket. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking forward to seeing that last night. <laughs> Wasn't in there. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's it's going to be interesting with the all the uh, the editorial control that the coach has or the team has. Just how long this thing can run like that? Does it take away from it? We'll see. I mean, Gruden's still such a character that sometimes it works. It makes you laugh a little bit. But I think the diehards are saying, "All right, I, I'm, I'm missing too much here. I want more. I want more." Well, yeah, and Brent, you know, you saw last week they reached HBO reached an agreement with Washington State for the same kind of thing yeah. next year. To me, that's them making a contingency in case, hey, this didn't rate well. It was boring. we got to move on to college football for a year. The beautiful thing about that guy in Leach in Washington State is he doesn't care. I mean, I don't know if he'll even go to the editing room. I mean, that guy just seems like an open book, and that could be a lot of fun, really, with Washington State. Ryan O'Halloran joined us from the Denver Post. Hey, let's stay in your division again, man. You have a lot of news out there, and I'm not even touching on the Kansas City Chiefs, and they come to play the Jags in the opener. But how about Derwin James? That's a big blow for Gus Bradley's defense. That guy, I mean, you could you could put him in MVP kind of conversations going into year two. Big-time loss, and... Because one week Gus would use him as a free safety, the next week he'd use him as basically an edge linebacker uh, defending a tight end like Kelsey. And you know, at this point, you have to prepare to not have him at all if it's a ten to twelve week thing. Because let's say he's not cleared for three months, well, then he's got to get back in shape for another two weeks. So by then it's mid December. So 
that's a big loss. I mean, I thought they were a Super Bowl contender. This hurts. I think they'd make do without Melvin Gordon if that holdout extends into the seasons. But if, if you're the Chargers defense now, do you have to go back to a little bit of – you know, a cover two, you know, a cover two or, you know, a quarters thing where you don't have that nuclear weapon in Derwin James. You just sort of got to piecemeal a little bit. You know, what this really does mean, it means if they lose Bosa, they're done. Yeah, um, absolutely. But Joey hasn't played a full season either. So yeah. I think they should be concerned in L.A. And by the way, they've been snake bitten over the years anyway. You almost just wait for it to come uh, for for the LA Chargers, or whether it was San Diego Chargers. I, I believe the Ravens and Chargers over the last five years have been more beat up by injuries than any teams. Now that's just me, unofficial poll. Didn't really do the the research on it. It just feels that way that those guys always get so beat up. Let me ask you one more question, football wise, and then you guys can talk wrestling in a moment. You bet. But. Uh, Jalen Smith for the Cowboys gets extended. Great story. Awesome story. Nice job by the Cowboys. You know, they really took a chance. They were patient with that and uh, glad they're able to reward the young man. What about Miles Jack, man? You know the situation around here. Uh, you know, given, let's assume that the knee is fine because it hasn't been a problem. But this is when it would have been a problem, right? That coming out of the draft is when that second contract would be. Do the Jags, now that they've had trouble with Yannick Ngakwe, do they put their focus on a guy like Miles Jack? And will that be an expensive contract or too expensive for the Jags, in your opinion? Because that was a lot of money they threw at Jalen Smith yesterday. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a problem for the Jaguars because it's going to be a price they're not going to want to pay. And I think he'll leave in free agency after this year. I think he could end up in L.A. with the Chargers because Thomas Davis signed a two-year deal, but he's like late 30s. That could just be a you know masked as a one-year contract, get him through the season. The Jaguars, you know, Marquise Lee being the exception, under Dave Caldwell, if a rookie is at the end of his deal, he's left. You know, I mean, A.J. can, you know, I wouldn't put him in that upper stratosphere, but, you know, as soon as A-Rod hit the market two years ago, he knew he was gone. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to carry out a little bit that same way because if, if you're doing the cap economics – two things, and we talked about this before. You have to think about Ramsey's next deal, and also you cannot have the defense taking up 65% of the, 70% of the cap. And that that's what would be the case if you're paying Ngakwe, Jack, and Ramsey moving forward. So uh, I think for Miles, this year is a 16-game audition. Somebody's going to pay him, and uh, and he'll go to that place. And, and I think he's a 4-3 linebacker, not a 3-4, and uh, somebody will take care of him that way. Wow, hey, tag team match coming up with you two in a moment, but i got to throw a comment in there. I'm a little surprised at that. I just don't – he is such a talent, man. I, I I guess I haven't really thought of him leaving as much. And, but I also didn't think of it would be in that expensive. And yesterday, and obviously the C.J. Mosley deal has proven that it's going to be really expensive. So you bring up valid points with the Ngakwe, uh, with the Jalen Ramsey, and, and just the dollars that are invested in this defense. And they do want to make that shift to the other side of the ball at some point. Yeah, and, and – and- with 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 the Jalen Smith and C.J. Mosley contracts, I don't think he's going to approach that, but I think he's going to, to exceed what the Jaguars willing to pay because right now you have linebackers leaving the market, and that's only going to drive Miles. Is he a all-pro all guy? No, but he could be a number one guy for a team that has a lot of cap space and is going to say, hey, for a three- or four-year deal, let's splurge a little bit because this guy can be an every-down anchor. Take it away, Austin. All right, Brent, appreciate it. Brent, go ahead and uh, go on that beach a little bit or go in the water, have fun. I'm going to take my shirt off, guys. It's going to go jump in the pool. It's, it's going to be a sort of quick question here. But, Ryan, did, did you watch SmackDown <laughs> last night? 
Um, a little bit, yeah. Okay, you probably heard what happened with, with uh, Reigns and everything, where they kind of, I guess, revealed who the attacker was. But um, sure. I, yeah, I want to get your opinion because, like, see, this had Eric Bischoff written all over. You know, Eric Bischoff kind of takes over now as some of the creative writing for SmackDown Live, and I think Eric Bischoff's a really great guy in terms of you know telling that story of wrestling. You know, giving the storylines uh, weekly, and we're waiting a couple weeks for this big payoff with Roman Reigns, who was attacking him, who was attacking him. And we just find out it's some guy that looks like Aaron Ro- Eric Rowan. I mean, what are your thoughts yeah. about the big reveal? Uh, did it kind of leave you dissatisfied? Is there going to be more to come from it? What are your thoughts? Um, well, I was dissatisfied when it when we found out obviously that it wasn't Samoa Joe because yeah. I think that would could have been a, a rivalry. So you, you, you take off the hood last night and you're like, give me a break. But I do like Bischoff in that role, and ultimately for SmackDown. Brent, you can fill in the blank here. I mean, they're building up to, to a crescendo when they debut on Fox. Yeah, so, absolutely. And that's in October, right? That early October? Yeah, I think so. So so I think they're, they're trying to, you know, give a little bit each week um, to see, because those first couple of weeks, I think, on Fox are going to be, I think they're basically going to be pay-per-views because they just want to be able to hit people over the head with a hammer. This is what we're going to do on, on SmackDown. But I'll switch subjects back to Raw last time. I tweeted about this Monday night. My eight-year-old nephew went to his first uh, WWE show in Minneapolis on uh, Monday night. Okay. And and as my brother said last night, he has not stopped smiling yet. And, and so, <laughs> I mean, he is a he is a big Roman Reigns guy. Sure. Like a lot of kids. Yeah. And so he FaceTimed me last night, gave me all the highlights and stuff. So, I mean, we 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 joke around about this, but I mean, that's that's the cool part is like. These kids go to these ma- uh, matches and they just have a blast. Ryan, was he kind of freaked out by Bray Wyatt at all uh, in his appearance, or was he kind of he, it was okay? He, he did say he goes, "What was that?" <laughs> and, but the thing he said he was most excited about, I don't know if he was just pulling my leg. He said during one of the commercials, somebody ran into the ring from the stand, you know, security, which has happened before. Of course, but. But, you know, he liked, I mean, you talk about a main event, Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman went into take team belts, so it was a good night to go. But the, the Bray Wyatt stuff, man, that is just way too weird for me. <laughs> it is out there for <laughs> sure, to say the least. <laughs> All right, uh, tag team partners Austin Lane and Ryan O'Halloran talking a little wrestling here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Okay, Ryan, oh, uh, have a good rest of your week, man. We'll talk to you again next week, and, and then the regular season's right around the corner. Okay, fellas. Take care now. Thanks. All right. Ryan O from the Denver Post covers the Denver Broncos. But, again, uh, uh, we're going to talk all sorts of football around the NFL with Ryan all fall long. So always good to catch up. And that's your wrestling buddy right there. You, awesome. you have a lot of those. I mean, you got a lot of wrestling buddies. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they're all around town, too. They always come up to me. Why don't you talk more wrestling on the show? Why don't you talk more wrestling on the show? Like, yeah, it was cool when it was the dog days of summer. But now it's more of, you know, the NFL season. So uh, that kind of goes out the window, which I understand completely. But uh, I don't know. Hopefully, maybe going forward here, we can uh, we'll talk some more wrestling eventually. Here. Your Alex Magoo interview coming up in just a bit, but next balling and falling, and then we'll get to the tattoo convention between you two football players <laughs> and it. artists. That's on the way. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We are live from South Florida. Oh, what a beautiful scene here in Fort Lauderdale. Jaguars play the Dolphins tomorrow night on Fox 30, 7 o'clock countdown to kickoff, 8 o'clock nationally televised broadcast. Locally back home, you can see it on Fox 30. We'll be back from Jacksonville to South Florida right after this on ESPN 690. He's never quit. Not one time. He is admired by his teammates. He is admired by 
uh, his uh, people he competes against. His story is one that I would have done anything to be sure that it could be a Dallas Cowboy story. Well, we're going to do balling and falling right now, and you talk about balling as Jalen Smith, and I think Jerry Jones deserves a lot of credit. They took a chance on him. You know, it's a risky move. It was a second-round pick, but I actually thought, why wouldn't you take a chance on Miles Jack instead of a guy like Jalen Smith, who was going to have to miss the first year and a half, two years to come back from that nerve injury? But a really cool story. Um, seems like a good dude, and obviously a fantastic player. We watched him last year when the Jags played the Dallas Cowboys. He's all over the place. He had a fantastic season, and uh, maybe the best is still yet to come uh, for Jalen Smith, former Notre Dame player who got seriously hurt in that bowl game and added to the conversation about big-time players and top draft picks playing in those bowl games because of what could have happened. So uh, that is a case in point of why you shouldn't. Jake Butt is another one of those examples. He also had that torn ACL in a bowl game, and he's since had problems in uh, Denver. I think he just practiced or got back to the practice field. I should ask Ryan O uh, today, or maybe it was yesterday. So... Um, some injuries, guys, are coming back from for sure. Brett Martineau down here in South Florida. Jags have arrived down in South Florida. They'll play, uh, of course, against Miami Dolphins tomorrow night. Action Sports Jack Studios filled with coups and Austin Lane. Let's go balling and falling, man. What you got? Uh, Brent, for the first time in balling, balling history, uh, we're going to celebrate a rest in peace. Oh. Uh, Miami started a trend with the turnover chain. FSU said, very cool, hold my natty light. And check this out. The turnover backpack. Womp womp. The backpack was received in a negative way. And uh, to be honest, I was spearheading a lot of the dislike. That thing was absolutely ridiculous. But that being said, the turnover backpack is no more. Rest in peace to Florida State in the turnover backpack. And hopefully you guys can move on from it and have a better season this year. All right. Uh, good move by the... Uh, Florida State Seminoles. That did not work. Let's just say that. <laughs> the turnover backpack was yeah, a thing that horrible. was not very successful. Uh, here's my balling, all right? Uh, I'm going to give them a, a chance. And we tried this with the AAF. It didn't work. Even though I thought they did a lot of positive things, but it just fell apart, and it fell apart in a hurry, and it really turned tragic in a way for that league. Well, here comes the XFL and Vince McMahon. Speaking of uh, your wrestling guys. Mm-hmm. They, they got their eight teams. Do you like them? Tampa Bay Vipers, St. Louis Battlehawks, Seattle Dragons, Houston Roughnecks, Los Angeles Wildcats, New York Guardians, D.C. Defenders, Dallas Renegades. Not mad at a lot. I mean, yeah, I'm not mad at really any of those. I guess the Tampa Bay Vipers. Are there a lot of Vipers in Tampa Bay? Well, yeah, well, yeah I think so. Right? Okay. Don't uh, ask me. I don't know. Well, I haven't what? seen a Viper in Tampa or even in Florida. Hey, what is a Viper? That's a snake, I yeah. think. That's what we're yeah. going with. Yeah. So like, I I don't know if there's like uh, it's like they have a golf course in Tampa, Copperhead. Is okay. that the same as a viper? I think a copperhead's like a rattlesnake, right? And a rattlesnake isn't a viper. I, I don't know. You're asking the uh, yeah, wrong guy. Yeah, I think guy. a viper is in its own classification of snake. Like you have vipers, boas, cobras. And- Cobras, and then oh, okay. I think at least uh, I, I'm, this I, is coming from someone that knows absolutely nothing about. Hey, snakes. why don't they have like a Coos. snake week like they have Shark Week? What's Coos, up? I think you should tonight on uh, WAPE have some kind of conversation about vipers, so that way you can do a little more work on them. All right, sounds good. We'll, we'll ask what uh, what snake is the emoji that you have on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> sounds fantastic. But Brent, here's the real question: When are we going to get uh, Tampa Bay Vipers head coach Mark Chessman on the show? Oh, 
That's you. That, can you do something around here? What do you want, man? I mean, maybe I you could make that call. Okay, I might have his I mean, number. I you can, were assigned really to Evan Britton, never happened. Well, yeah, but he keeps... <laughs> so Evan's all over Twitter like, yeah, just go ahead and have me on, guys. <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I texted like ten times, but... In between hanging out with Mike Tyson, maybe Evan will get back to us. Yeah, once well, in a while. hey, man, that, that guy's living the best life right now, so I'm not mad at him for that. Uh, he's kind of in that California state of mind. Um, I don't have Tressman's number, unfortunately, but I'm sure we could try to find it. Uh, all right, uh, go ahead. You're up next. Okay. Fallen. Fallen. Uh, did you see Ronda Rousey's finger? Uh, I heard about it. Oh, number Nasty. one. Yeah, so. To set the whole thing up here, Ronda Rousey was on the set of Fox uh, Fox's new show, 911. Okay, uh, she shared Tuesday that a very gruesome injury occurred on her first day of filming. Apparently, what happened was her finger got slammed in a boat door. Didn't know boats had doors, um, whatever. But uh, she, she she thought she basically just jammed her finger, and she continued to do her takes and finish the day out. When it was revealed that literally her finger was hanging on by just the bone, her skin was all ripped up, she shared a graphic image on Twitter that somehow didn't get uh, like edited out. And if you want to go on Twitter and check it out, it's a very gruesome injury. I guess her recovery is going well, though. Uh, and I guess new details will be revealed on her YouTube channel later on today, which I probably won't be checking out, but I'm glad she's okay. All right. Uh, my fallen is... Um Ah, for Major League Baseball players and their bedroom life. Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see this? I definitely M didn't. <laughs> MLB Baseball has warned about the, quote, very real risk of over-the-counter sexual enhancement pills <laughs> being related to PEDs when they test. Yeah. So you could fail a test if you take the blue pill. Sure. Maybe it's the blue pill or other pills. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't don't put them in that category, Brent. We, we don't know the exact science. It could be just like a gas station pill or something That's like true. that. That's um, true. So, um, wow. Baby making in the MLB is going to go down a little bit. You know, this was uh, this was the whole thing with John Jones too when he failed like his first drug test. Um, he be blamed it on that he went to a gas station, you know, to to buy some male enhancement products, and uh, apparently that's what made the test uh, turn up positive. So, that's not the first time I've actually heard that story. Yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, that's the first time I've heard it in Major League Baseball. Is this Major League Baseball, by, by the way, trying to hide the fact that they've juiced the baseball up? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Something else is juiced, I guess you would say. <laughs> maybe they should test the ball. What a, what a, what a good time to go to break. <laughs> did I just say test the ball? Yeah, you really did. Yeah, you sure did. Oh. No, I'm going to give it to you. That was great, Brent. Yeah, you know, maybe like the first, second practice, he starts slinging those balls in there really well. Mm. I mean. We'll be back. Okay. Uh, test of tattoos coming up next. Alex <laughs> Magoo versus Austin Lane on ESPN 690. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's special for sure. You know, I think uh, what Sandy means to this organization, uh, what Sandy means to me personally, it's uh, an incredible thing. You know, something I never thought was going to happen. And it just helps me, you know, be able to look back on it when it's all said and done and um, just be thankful I got to be here this morning. Hey, that's Clayton Kershaw talking about his 166th win in a Dodgers uniform, which is pretty cool. It passes Sandy Koufax into fifth place on the Dodgers' all-time list. You ready for these names? He's got to catch these guys. Brickyard Kennedy, 
<laughs> I don't think I'm old enough for Brickyard Kennedy. Dazzy Vance, I've heard of him. Don Drysdale, heard of him. Don Sutton, heard of him. That's a pretty good list of names. And now Clayton Kershaw moves into fifth place on the Dodgers all-time list. Sandy Koufax, of course, had a short career, but a phenomenal career um, at that. Clayton Kershaw's been unbelievable, and I think people forget around here that Clayton Kershaw played for the Jacksonville Suns. You know, he grew yeah. up in that organization uh, when they were the Dodgers organization. Now they're the Marlins organization. But uh, way back, I forget the years now, but when I first got here to town, Clayton Kershaw was coming up through the uh, Dodgers organization and, and stopped off for a year. or I think it was almost a year, if not a complete year, uh, with the uh, Jacksonville Suns at the time. So pretty cool stuff. Clayton Kershaw is pretty special, man. I mean, 19 out of 22 starts this year have been quality starts. Uh, reading something right now, he's gone at least six innings in every start and has not thrown more than 101 pitches. So he's been very economic and he stayed relatively healthy. The guy's making like $30 million a year. They need him to produce. <laughs> yeah, and listen, he, he's been one of the best to do it for a while now. Um, but I think that, you know, his, I guess his Legacy, you could say, with the Dodgers. And listen, I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy. He's a great pitcher. But can he win a World Series? You know, yep. can he will his team to a World Series? Because, for lack of a better word, it seems like whenever the the Dodgers get to the playoffs, um, you know, maybe he has a good game here or there, but then he, he kind of tends to fall off a little bit, and that they, they fall just short. And the way the Dodgers are looking this year, um, I think they're one of the favorites to you know win the whole thing. But um, that's just hype right now. You know, I mean, can can Kershaw finally will his team to a World Series? Because that that'll be good for for his, his pitching overall. So. Uh- all right, speaking of hype, man, you go one-on-one with another tattoo artist, if you will, yeah. in Alex Magoo. Uh, once again, Nick Foles says, most swag out of any QB in the league, he told us a couple weeks back. Magoo with some fun plays last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, one that uh, was well defended, even though it was a fun backyard-looking play, and then, of course, the scramble for the touchdown. Uh, kind of a cool dude. He won't play much in this one. Uh, maybe he gets a quarter at the end or a little time at the end. I would think Minshew's going to come in for uh, Nick Foles and, and get most of the work. But he should see quite a bit of action uh, in that fourth preseason game, and I think he uh, would land on the practice squad for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. But uh, tell us a little bit about it, you and Magoo in the in the Jags locker room yeah, earlier you know, this week. Me, me and Magoo just hanging out, man, talking about a whole bunch of topics. Um, well, one, one of the biggest things I took away from this interview here that you're about to listen to, and Brent, we kind of brought it up on the show, I think it was on Monday, where I kind of talked about the, the future you know, of the NFL QB and even college QB was going to be former baseball players. Because I said, for whatever reason, it seems like these college baseball players that turn into quarterbacks, you know, they can make all the hard throws, right? They can, uh, they can be spontaneous and not have the proper footwork you know or like the, the shoulders point in the right direction but they can still make all the passes and and alex magoo being a former baseball player himself actually goes into pretty great detail of why being a former baseball player helps him so much play the quarterback position joined by a guy who lack of a better word made a name for himself this past thursday night against the philadelphia eagles alex magoo alex man how we doing i'm doing good man how are you doing Doing fantastic, doing fantastic. Now, listen, I understand you guys are going to Miami already. You know, you, the, the, the the whole game plan's on them. The focus is on them. But you made three good plays that we have to talk about. I hope you don't mind. I hope you can indulge me a little bit. So the first play, going in the fourth quarter, uh, third down, about third and 15. Uh, the pocket starts to crumble a little bit. You step up. You spin him. You put a guy in ice skates. 
He breaks his ankles. You go on the outside of the pocket, towards the sidelines, and stiff arm him. And another guy bursts down. Take us through that play. Is that something you actually practice, or you just kind of feel it out and uh, it's based off instinct? No, it literally just instincts. I just... You almost just, it's like a feel. You kind of just, it almost goes into like a darkness in your mind. You just kind of go out there and you're playing ball. And, you know, it just kind of happened that way. And my body just kind of reacted to the spin move. And then I just start, you know, running. I, I do, I'm a spin, uh, stiff arm. <laughs> oh, you all right, man? Take your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then I, I do stiff arm a lot. So yeah. I did it in college a lot. But never really spin moves. That's really not my thing. But um, I just trusted my speed and got to the outside and got the first down. So the most impressive play, I think, and probably a play that could have been the, the top play of the whole preseason in the NFL, uh, it was third and about five or six or so. You're on the 42-yard line. You're on 42-yard line. Drop back. You fade to your right. Pocket starts to crumble a little bit. So you go against the grain. You, you go against your arm, and you basically throw an absolute dart from your own 30-yard line to the Eagles' 15-yard line. Uh, hit a guy running a fly route in stride. Just missed it. I mean, thanks to a good play from the Eagles' uh, cornerback. What did you think about that play right there? I mean, it, it's just like I'm just playing football. Like yeah. I don't know how to really explain what I do. I felt, a, felt it collapsing immediately almost from my left side, so I, I just tried to extend the play by you know scrambling to the right. Nobody was open, and I just I trust myself and my speed and my ability, you know, outside of the pocket to keep extending it and and to make plays. So I just turned it back, and uh, and I saw Ralph go deep, and I just said, "Let's do, it, let's go," yeah. and I just threw it as far as I could and as deep as I could, and you know that you know we didn't catch it, but I, you know I wish we did because that play would have been pretty sweet. So I have this theory where I think in the next five or six years every quarterback in the NFL is going to be a former baseball player. Because I feel like baseball players, for whatever reason, it doesn't matter wh where their feet are planted, it doesn't matter where their shoulders are pointed, they can always make a good throw. What is it about baseball, because you play baseball yourself, what is it about baseball that allows you to make the throws that other guys just can't make? Well, you know, I think baseball teaches you arm slots. You know, sometimes you have to throw it quick from a, from a tighter arm slot or throw it, you know, the outfielder's going to throw over top. It's just different like that. That wasn't it. Oh. Um, anyway, but I, I really think it's about arm slots. You know, you see Patrick Mahomes changing his arm slot like crazy. Um, Nick does it. You know, I do it. You know, it's just like, I don't know. It's just the thing that you have to do in baseball. You, you can't always throw from one arm slot or one, your feet are being in this set position. If you're playing shortstop and you got to make a play running to your right, throwing back across to your, to your left, like, you got to be able to do it. And I just think it really, you know, helps young young athletes throw from different arm slots. Last play I want to talk about is obviously the touchdown, the first touchdown of the preseason for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fourth and goal from about the four-yard line. You look right, nothing's open. You put the team on your back and do it yourself. Be honest, two things. Number one, did you ever intend on throwing that ball or just want to run it in? And number two, uh, how did it feel to get the first touchdown of the preseason for the Jaguars? You know, I, I did intend to throw the ball, um, <laughs> but I just didn't think it was a clean enough window for me to get it in there. And uh, I knew it was fourth down, so I figured if I could extend the play and, you know, try to make something happen, it yeah. was better than, you know, forcing a really tight pass. So, you know, I just, you know, like I said, I just kind of, I just made it happen. You know, I just go out there and I saw a hole right up the middle and I took it and I got in there. So I've been watching you during OTAs, been watching you during training camp, and I've been campaigning this to every single media member here. 
I think you have the most swag on the team. Now, I mean, are you, are you guys still using the word swag? Is that cool? Because I'm, I'm a little older now. All right. So I think you have the most swag on the team. And Nick Foles comes out about a week ago and even says it himself. He actually co-signs with me and says that you have indeed the most swag on the team. What, where does this swag come from and how to use it for your game? I don't know where it comes from, honestly. I don't. I just have always kind of like, I don't know. I just kind of like do different things. Like I have like my own kind of style, and um, and I just kind of go out there. I don't really like let people, you know, affect what I what I wear. You know, I might wear some different clothing, but that's just like that's that's what I like, you know. Um, but I don't know. Nick loves it. He always comments on it, and I think it's funny that he told he told whoever he told that that went out in the, the media, but. It's funny. I just like to have fun with it too. It kind of brings some brings some juice to practice, brings some swagger to practice, and kind of makes uh, the quarterback room have a little identity. Since we're on the topic of swagger, do you have a nickname yet? I, everybody calls me Johnny Manziel around here. Okay. Or Ripper Magoo, one of the two. Ripper Magoo, not bad, but actually, I have an idea for a new nickname for you. Okay. I want to see what you think about it. So this is taken from a Beyonce song featuring Kanye West, but this is a Kanye Kanye West quote: "Swagoo," as in like. Regu but swagu thoughts. I think it's actually really good. It is. Everybody, oh Nick, Nick and a lot of quarterbacks and offense calls me goo. Yeah. So uh, swagu really kind of does Whoa. go together. So here's what we do. I think we we go swagu and then every time you score a touchdown, you make a good play. You almost like stir the pot a little bit and then you add and then, and then you add the seasoning. Yeah. And then you add the seasoning. Yeah. That's like some James Harden yeah, yeah, like cooks, yeah. cook it up. We'll see Thursday. <laughs> we'll see what's up on Thursday. All right, so a few more questions for you. So obviously, uh, you kind of set yourself apart a little bit on Thursday. Another thing that sets yourself apart from everybody else is your tattoos, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, I don't know too many quarterbacks that have the sleeve tattoo going. I don't think I know any quarterback that has a leg sleeve uh, tattoo. So talk about your tattoos a little bit. What are some of your favorite ones, and uh, what are some of your inspirations behind them? Um, yeah, most quarterbacks don't have tattoos. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but like I said earlier about my swag, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just kind of like my own thing. I really like to you know, express myself through appearance and I think that can you know you learn a lot about somebody by what they wear um, and you know how they look so anyway um, I have I have obviously a full sleeve I have one on my chest and I have my whole leg I like this one a lot it's uh, my great-grandmother she always said when she passed away she would want to be a be a cardinal yeah and everywhere that my family has moved there's always been a cardinal that's lived in our backyard like flies in our backyard yeah. and it's it's like the craziest thing ever it's yeah. like literally anywhere I go um, and I have I have one on the inside of my leg it's a sword with a skull going through it and it has my dad's name on it just okay. to resemble like life and yeah. he sacrificed his life for ours yeah. and then I have the same sword with just with a heart going through with my mother's name on it because yeah. you know she sacrificed her heart and her, her love for us so that's that's probably my favorite two tattoos fantastic and I look at your tattoos and most people when they get a tattoo they have one that they regret any tattoos that you, you kind of have a regret getting uh, my first one which is what the, the American flag not okay. that it's like anything bad yeah, like, be careful i just wish it was it was done better done better exactly no i hear you and how old were you when you got that one done i was 18 i literally yeah i just was like i'm getting a tattoo this is what i'm getting you can't tell me anything <laughs> all right another question for you here so in terms of your uniform at practice i've noticed this a lot are your practice shorts are they tailor-made are they youth size or are they just that short 
I, I roll them up like five times. <laughs> I hate anything below my like my mid of my thigh. Okay. Um, like I like tighter clothes. I like short, short shorts. Uh, I don't know. I just I have my own thing, and I just I roll with it. Hey, Gardner Minshew does the same thing, Austin. I think he's got really short uh, shorts on the practice field too. So maybe it's a new thing. It's a style with swagoo. I liked it. That was you fun like that swagoo. Yeah, a little, a little branding. Oh, and with Gardner Minshew, make no mistake, the guy has never missed a squat rack his entire life. So I feel like Minshew <laughs> can pull pull it off a little more than Magoo. All due respect to Magoo. We had I actually hope- uh, a few comments on our uh, stream saying that. They were calling him Magoovall. Oh, Magoovall. Oh, okay. I'm not mad at that either. Of all the ones, and you, how many times has that guy been called Mr. Magoo? I mean, you know. I know, I mean, right? Oh, uh, just cringeworthy to the fullest, Brent. Yeah. I, I, here's the deal. I think um, I hope that that guy stays on the team for a while because he's kind of fun. You know, he yeah. acknowledges it all. He had fun with you. He had fun. The tattoos, the, um, the, the nicknames were great. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can get that one to stick. I'm going to have to spread that one around. Yeah. Uh, swagoo a little bit. Swag-oo. I like it. I mean, you, you, had the, you should get into marketing. Maybe you should help us out a little bit more. I mean, you had the whole like stir in the pot and everything. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm trying to think. You know, I'm trying to think of the best thing for these players here, Brent. I'm always trying to make more people more money. That's what it's all about. I and like uh, yeah, you know, obviously we, we had some we had some fun with that interview and everything. Uh, unfortunately, we, we didn't get to air the whole thing due to some mic issues. I promise it wasn't my fault. It might have been. Not sure. But uh, the, the last two questions that I asked them uh, were, you know, kind of two big questions. I wish we could have played. But the, the one question that I asked was going into pre- season game number four you know i mean that's going to be a huge game for alex magoo uh it's, it's it's kind of his last you know opportunity really to kind of put his application out there because one would think he may not see a lot of playing time this thursday and when you're talking about a preseason game number four the, the final preseason game of the season um it's always kind of a tricky thing because while you're trying to fight for a roster spot you're trying to put good tape out there the coaches have already kind of moved on. You know, like mm-hmm. they they know who's probably going to be on the roster. They're they're going to be focused on Kansas City now and they may not give you all the attention in terms of scouting or in terms of game prep uh you know to get ready for that preseason game number 4 against the Falcons. So, you know, I kind of asked him about that because he had to encounter the same thing in Seattle as well when he played there and basically he just said, you know, that's where you kind of have to watch film on your own. You kind of have to get with with the receiver group um, you know, himself and basically just kind of, you know, go over the game plan themselves whether it's in the hotel where they're staying at for training camp, or whether it's getting to the you know to the to the field a little early to, to have those meetings by themselves. But that's something where a coach really isn't going to help you that much, just because the coach is moving on to you know the the regular season now. So I thought that was kind of an interesting question. And then also um, we touched on this a little bit yesterday, but I kind of asked him you know as far as quarterbacks that he's played with now with with, with Russell Wilson being the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, and now Nick Foles. Um, I asked them, you know, just how each guy approaches their craft. Is it kind of the same? Is it different? And he was very passionate and very adamant about how he answered this question. And you could tell, and he's like, you know, I don't want this to come across the wrong way in talking about Wilson in Seattle. But he said Wilson, you know, is a businessman, and he's um, he's, he's the guy that's taken, he always takes football very seriously. But he said outside of the stadium, um, and he didn't want to say the word cold. He even said that to me. He's like, I don't want to say cold, but, like, you know, he's just very he's very about football um and everything's kind of black and gray with him and then when he can he compared Nick Foles he said Nick Foles um you know 
approaches his craft the same way as Russell Wilson, where when it comes to being in the stadium, being on the field, he's very business-like. You know, uh, he, he knows his things. If you have a question, you ask him. But then he said outside of the field. You know, he, he said when you're not in the stadium, um, you know, he's, he's the first guy that you want to hang out with. Um, he's a he he's a very cool guy outside the field as well. Always wants to make sure you know his, his teammates are on the same page and want to hang out and everything like that. So I think from that perspective, you know that kind of camaraderie, I think it speaks volume for you know Foles and what he's bringing to this team this year. That's interesting too because Gardner Minshew has told us a couple of times he said even from a uh, life standpoint, Nick Foles has already impacted him. Kind of. Uh, you know, and I don't want to get carried away with it, but just some of the things. He's 30 years old. He's been through it. So what can you uh, maybe help a rookie out with and, and where you're moving in town or what you might do with your money or all those kind of things. They, he wasn't too specific, but he said from a life standpoint. And he also said from kind of like a, a, his faith standpoint. Like yeah. uh, There's a lot of respect in that quarterback room for Nick Foles in that regard, too. So I think he has impacted them outside the white lines, outside the team room, outside Jags headquarters. Uh, you can tell they have conversations. Very interesting point. Also about Magoo, how about this? He's played with two Super Bowl <laughs> winning quarterbacks in a couple of years in the NFL. I mean, pretty yeah. good to learn from those guys yeah. and how to carry yourself. The pluses, the minuses, what you relate to, what you don't relate to. But that's a pretty good start for a young QB. He's well, got, he's got, he's a good athlete. He's got supreme arm talent. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if he can stick around. Again, I think he finds a spot on the practice squad here. Uh, and another little funny story, too, before this interview, which I have no problem sharing. I mean, I know it's, it's in the locker room, but this is a pretty funny story. I don't think the guys are going to care. But uh, as soon as I got in, um, Avery Jones pulls me over, and he's like, dude, you got to help out my boy here. I'm like, what? And uh, it was Smoot. And uh, I guess everyone's making fun of Smoot's dreads a little bit because, you know, they're they're kind of starting to come undone now because, hey, that's the price of training camp. Yeah. So, so everyone was trying to get on like, hey, you, you need to ask Austin some tips for your dreads and everything like that. And it kind of turned into were my dreads real or not or if they're like extensions. And, and I assured him that, no, these are in fact real dreads. I had these in Jacksonville. And then Avery Jones pulls out, well, you guys should place a bet. You know, bet him a hundred bucks. Say if they're real or not real. And I turned to Avery. I'm like, why are you suggesting that I make bets right now when you used to owe me fifty bucks from about five years ago off a of bet? So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it's just, just a little uh, banter going back and forth. So it's pretty well, cool. If this thing fails and you're not a radio star, media star. You certainly can open your own hair salon or, or start your own marketing firm. There we go. After today. Uh, pretty good stuff. Hey, when yeah. we come back, let's talk a little bit Canes and Gators, and we'll spend some more time on the Jaguars as well, plus a little, uh, oh, we already did ball and fallen, didn't we? That we and did. And we did stay in your lane. That oh, we good. did as well. We got everything out of the way. Yeah. Happy Hour Horns coming up, too, from Jacksonville to South Florida. Thanks for hanging on. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's not been a distraction to me at all. I mean, I hate to break it to anybody, but we, we've known what, what what the status is regarding his feet. He just showed up with frostbite. I've never had a guy show up with frostbite. Fortunately, we got that thing under control. And this grievance thing is, is no laughing matter. It's something that's really important to him. And there's nothing wrong with supporting your players on things that they believe in. Well, that's John Gruden talking about Antonio Brown. and. Hey, give him credit, man. He's trying to keep the peace. Uh, Mike Mayock comes out with somewhat of an ultimatum. But listen, there was no ultimatum. They're paying him $15 million. If Antonio Brown wants to come in week three, they'll let him play. They'll need him from a production standpoint. So uh, Gruden might be perfect for this, the way to handle this Antonio Brown situation. You need a player's coach. This probably wouldn't fit well with a guy that's not a player's coach. 
but I think Antonio Brown, Mike Mayock so far are making their way through this Antonio Brown mess. Get the Hard Knocks cameras out of there soon enough, and, and we'll see what happens in the season. Again, I think he's going to produce on the football field. He always has, so there's no reason to, to think otherwise. It would be a messy situation in a lot of places around the NFL. Uh, I kind of feel like places like Dallas, places like the New York Giants, places like uh, the Oakland Raiders are used to this kind of stuff. They deal with it all the time. There's always a sideshow with those organizations. Uh, just always. It happens. And so I think they know how to deal with it, and it's just another thing. And while you have to talk about it, I think John Gruden and Mike Mayock are probably doing a pretty good job uh, uh, with it to this point. Brett Martineau down here in South Florida. Got a little turn of the camera here, giving you a different angle down the beach side. Uh, more palm trees in the background as the shade is uh, overtaking us here at uh, Marriott Beach Harbor Resort in Fort Lauderdale. Beautiful place, beautiful day. And the Jaguars have arrived in South Florida. They'll play the Miami Dolphins tomorrow night on Fox 30. 7 o'clock countdown to kickoff, 8 o'clock. Uh, the kickoff on nationally televised game between the Jags and the Dolphins. We get to see those first teamers. We're going to talk about it. My conversation with Jawan Taylor coming up in a bit. Austin Lang hanging out in the Action Sports Jack studios. Poor guy has to hang out with Coos all week, but uh, he's making it through and uh, doing a, a good job. For a moment, let's talk a little baseball uh, for one second because it's getting kind of fun, Austin. I don't know if you're having fun with Milwaukee. I'm not. Uh, Red Sox are kind of out of it. But Tampa Bay wins. You just heard the Sports Center update. They win on a pass ball. I think it's like Ty's a big uh, Rays fan, so he watched a lot of their games. I think this is at least the second time in the last month they've won a game on a pass ball or wild pitch. So that's pretty bizarre. Uh, Minnesota loses today. I need Minnesota to win in the Huckleberry bet, but they do have a two and a half game lead in the Central. And the Rays, Indians, and Oakland A's. Oakland A's have been impressive. That's Nobody talks team. about them, of course. Those three teams are vying for two spots in the wild card, and that's about pretty wrapped up uh, other than that. National League wild card is just uh, fantastic. Uh, the Nationals have a one-game lead for, for that top spot. The Cubs have the second positioning. The Mets with their big second half, two games out of it. Phillies, two games out of it. Brewers have now dropped to three and a half games back in the wild card. Even the Diamondbacks and San Francisco Giants have a chance at four and four and a half games back, uh, respectively. The Brewers are four games out now in the Central, so it really looks like it's coming down to the Cardinals and Cubs, and your uh, Milwaukee fighting Yelichs better get their game on really soon because there's only about 30-something games to go in the Major League Baseball regular season. Oh, I'm aware, Brendan. I like how you call him the fighting Yelichs because it seems like he's the only guy who kind of shows up on a daily basis to provide for that team. Uh, Yeah, Milwaukee's kind of been an enigma, you know. Um, They didn't really address their pitching in the offseason. That was something that I was kind of stressing about. But, you know, with, with Craig Council there, the, the, you know, the, basically the skipper that kind of led him to the, the, uh, the, the world's, or the, I'm sorry, the pennant last year, um, I thought that it was going to be the kind of the same case where they rely more on their bullpen than they will on their starting pitching. Unfortunately, some guys went down in their bullpen now. Hater, the guy that was really their star last year, is kind of struggling now. And yeah, uh, we'll see. The Cardinals and Cubs are playing some pretty good baseball. It is curious about the Mets, though, because I haven't said it on the show. When they went on their big run, I said, pump the brakes a little bit on the Mets because they went on a run against the Pirates and I forgot the other two teams. They, they weren't really that great. And now, you know, the, the, the Mets are still in it, but they, they've only won six out of the, out of the last uh, ten. So um, they've kind of cooled off a little bit. Curious to see what happens there. 
But, uh, yeah, as far as my picks are concerned, Brent, I had the Rockies going. Rockies aren't going to go. Um, I didn't even have the Dodgers making the playoffs, so that one hurts me a little bit. But that was more me being upset that the Dodgers beat the Brewers last year. But it, it should shape up to, uh, you know, a last couple of great months of baseball coming here. Yeah, I think it is. It's going to be – the wild card is so cool because it keeps a lot of teams alive. And it, yeah. I don't, the Nationals haven't got enough love. They've done a really nice job in – fixing their season it got off to a slow start and now here they are right in the middle of things uh the braves are, are interesting i saw something today from the braves darren o'day might be available soon uh he's been out i think the entire year but the jacksonville guy uh really has pitched well in the big leagues uh, for for now many a years he's a great story and reinvented himself he throws a sidearm submarine style and uh, the braves could get a little help in their bullpen with him if he's able to come back and contribute so a lot of fun stuff i mean baseball is pretty exciting i don't love all the home runs I, I really don't I, I think uh major league baseball should be ashamed of themselves for for the way they've made the baseball this year quite frankly i don't think they even need the home run ball to be like it is every single player on the team hitting 20 20 uh, dingers but that is what it is uh, some people like it i think baseball's in a pretty good place nonetheless and it should be a lot of fun coming down uh the stretch you know when when we got together on this thing austin i was like okay we're going to be able to talk football we're going to be able to talk uh, austin will be able to give us some expertise on MMA, which is growing, and we can spend some time on that. Nobody else in town does that. We'll talk a little wrestling because, again, I mean, billion-dollar deal with Fox, and I don't mind talking wrestling here here and there. Uh, I don't. I listen. You talk. <laughs> um, uh, and I was like, all right, so where else are we going to – okay, I can handle golf. Mm-hmm. I can handle baseball. We'll talk a little basketball. Who's as that? I've been impressed with your baseball passion and knowledge, though. I must say, I, I just want to say that now. Here oh, from uh, South Florida, I, I like the fact. I mean, you're all in on the Brewers. Yeah, uh, you're following it. I, I like it. I like you're talking baseball. There is an iguana next to me right now. I was like, <laughs> "What the heck is that?" There's something creeping up behind me, and I mean, the size of this thing. Hold on, I'm going to take a picture of it. Sorry, I got is sidetracked, but I was no, like, good. Is it, it is it not a viper? a viper. Okay, good, 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 good. I mean, Those I almost like, like if I bring the iguana over here right now. And put him like on my shoulder. Will he bite? Does the iguanas bite? Yeah. Uh, yes, they do. Okay, there they you go. They do. So I should be concerned. What else is coming I up behind me? I had a run in with one during a spring break. Uh, and a few beers involved. They bite. Can you guys give me a heads up if something else is coming up behind me? Sorry, I wasn't watching the screen, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm kind of. I'm not gonna say anything now for sure. <laughs> You're trying to get some good videos here on YouTube, man. It's going to be I've a, now, a blooper I've lost sight of the iguana, by the way. He's around the other side. I feel like he's planning a sneak attack. <laughs> Dude, bring him. So, do you, you should do? You should catch him and bring him back to the studio. He can be the ESPN 690 mascot. He is actually. I just. I can see through the the window, right? The reflection. Yeah. And now, see, I'm um I'm underneath like a palm tree. So yeah. there's a like a square cement block around the palm tree. Mm-hmm. Well, he just on the other side. He just jumped up onto the square block. So <laughs> during this show, this thing could go viral. But he may catapult himself right on top of me, and oh, I might be attacked by so, an iguana. I so hope that happens. And in that case, please bring him home because that's an awesome iguana. If it attacks you, and he'll be the official mascot of ESPN six. I mean, maybe the 690 Iguanas? I'm not mad at that. Forget about the 690 squad. Um, by the no, way, not, taking a picture, just squad. so you guys can see, I'm capturing this on video, too. He's playing hide-and-seek with me right now. This is getting a little creepy. If I leave, if I jump out of here, it's for how, good reason. Uh, how big <laughs> is this thing, Brent? Dude, I, I'm going to send a picture Have in a minute. Have you okay. seen the Iguanas now I don't. They can get pretty oh, big. No, they, I, I've seen iguanas. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Now he's going <laughs> up in the tree. 
Dude, you're, oh boy. you're, you're, you're his homie now. Be, He's going to get his homies. By the way, I'm going to be very sidetracked for the remainder of the show. Good. Just to let I you like know. it. Brent's on edge, and I love it. Let's let's go to the happy hour horn. We have a new <laughs> one brought to you by Vita De Louis, and I'm going to need some. <laughs> doesn't change okay got it uh grab a drink get a shot and sit for star tenders and watch out for iguanas yeah for uh, sure. <laughs> hey Vita de recently got a 94 rating a locally owned tequila right here in jacksonville made in tequila mexico shipped directly to jack's beach make your own recipes with Vita de Louis tequila one of the smoothest tequilas you'll ever taste for locations recipes and merchandise visit Vita de com. leave your troubles ashore Drink responsibly. All right, the iguana has made its way all the way to the top of the tree. Watch out, uh, Marcel, as he comes over. See, he didn't know about the iguana. I should have kind of uh, left him thinking about it. But um, I'll keep you play-by-play for the iguana. It looks like he's happy up in the palm tree right now. Uh, s- strong little dude, too, to be able to climb up there. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk gators and canes. But I'm going to preface it with a little Jags and Jawan Taylor, who will be checking out the game on Saturday. So will Calais Campbell. It's an off day for the Jags. So you got your Florida guys and your Miami guys going to Orlando for that one. But let's talk about the game as we get a little bit closer. We'll do the more of it tomorrow and more of it on Friday. Of course, we'll make some picks for it. But uh, Gators and Canes coming up in a few days. College football season kicks off. Jawan Taylor helps us do that and talks about his NFL debut tomorrow against the Miami Dolphins. All on the way from Jacksonville to South Florida with the fight in Iguanas on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Well, you can watch Action Sports Shacks on all the different social media platforms. We are on Twitter, on Periscope, on YouTube, on Facebook. YouTube, by the way, our channel is Action Sports Shacks, not just the radio show. Put up a lot of other content that we do on CBS 47 and Fox 30. On Facebook, we're ESPN 690. Come along and follow us, like us, all the things that you need to do. Uh, we are also on Twitch and Mixer, so you can see the show every day in the beautiful scene like today down here in South Florida. And, of course, on the audio platforms, various apps, ESPN690.com, and on your dial on ESPN690 on the radio side. Having a little fun here. And, by the way, for the video platforms, if you get lucky and this iguana falls out of the palm tree and onto me, it'll at least, uh, well, be a moment. At the very least, might not be a shining moment for me, but it will at least be a moment. And I know you and Coos are rooting for it, Austin. Oh, I mean, I've I've never wanted a reptile to attack somebody so bad in my entire life. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Brent. But I'm not really though. <laughs> you know, there is like this new. I think there's this thing now that you can like. Um, uh, Marcel and I were just talking about it. Like you can actually kill iguanas. Like you can shoot them. 
I'm not I'm not what? saying I'm going to do that, but I think the iguana population has grown so much. I have this right? I feel like we saw what? as we did a news story on, on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Google it. Look it up. Yeah, but what? I think... I don't know if that's just in the Jacksonville area, if it's a state of Florida thing. I think it's a state of Florida deal. But the, the population for iguanas is so much now that you actually can kill them. Huh. It's not against the law. I just didn't like, think... Uh, I, I'm not advocating it. I'm just well, saying no. you, can, you can. But I feel like, yeah, it's almost Sorry, like... Sorry, It's almost like me talking about cats. But I feel like <laughs> iguanas, I mean, they don't really... The cats are gone from the anybody. backyard. Well, I wonder what happened to them. Oh, for real? Yeah, it's yeah. Like maybe hey, maybe I made a phone call. Maybe I didn't. Brandon. It was handled. You know where Not I sure live. You can see me wink, wink, or anything <laughs> it, like that. But hey, it I was took handled. care of it. It, took, it was handled. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like iguanas aren't really, um, you know, that much of a threat to humans. I mean, you see them and stuff. I don't know if they bite or anything, but I feel like they're just pretty harmless little critters. And I think that, you know they eat bugs and insects. So I feel like you'd want iguanas around. But who knows? I'm hoping that you're right. That they're. Uh they don't bother humans yeah. because uh, one could land. I mean, it's literally like right above me. I keep looking up. Sorry, but it's like it's got right the rabies. <laughs> like if it falls out of the, you know, is that like the worst feeling? Like if you're on a golf course or if you're around somewhere where you think snakes might be. Yeah. This and it's like uh, I don't even want to look up because I hope a snake is not like hanging from the tree yeah. and could fall on me. You know, you think about everything on the ground and you forget about the tree sometimes. So um, yeah, I don't want any part of that. I did just tweet a picture of the iguana if you want to see it it's pretty decent size um and we have now a mascot for the show action sports jacks on espn 690 brett i have news for you quick what's that so i ended up googling can iguanas get rabies and they cannot get rabies that can only happen in mammals so you're Ah, all good there that's not a rabid iguana (laughs) that's a that's a a rabid iguana and a win here uh, in South Florida at the Marriott Beach Harbor Resort for me, at least. Uh, all right, hey, let's talk some uh, football. We're going to get to Gators sure. and Canes uh, in, in a moment. But uh, let's talk to a former Gator second-round pick of the Jaguars. Jawan Taylor makes his debut tomorrow night against the Dolphins, caught up with him and asked about uh, how eager he is to get rolling. Ready? Uh, hey, let's get the dirty work out of the way first. Canes and Gators in a week. <laughs> you ready for? You ready to cheer instead of play? Oh, yeah, finally get the chance to cheer. Um, me and Kalez, a few guys, we're going there to the game, so we're going to catch it, uh, go see what it's about. Uh, you know, hopefully my game just pull it out for us. Yeah, a little different viewpoint for you now. Yeah, a little different, a little different. But I get to see my old teammates and stuff and get to see them have fun with them, so I'm that's, excited. That's pretty good. Uh, hey, how much are you chomping to get some action? Uh, chomping a lot, you know, just trying to get get better every single day. Uh, you know, listen to the coaches, listen to the vets. Um, just come out there and get better, that's all. You're getting banged up scary yet? all or is it just kind of you got to be patient with it uh, just patient you know just taking it day by day uh, just rehabbing it you know uh, just trying to get back out there and make sure I'm full go do you think uh, you're losing valuable time um, in these reps and possibly playing in the preseason uh, I feel like yeah because you know when you're a rookie and you don't get that game t- those game reps you know it kind of pushes you back a little bit sets you back but looking forward to uh, just getting better every day trying to get back out there as soon as possible how honest do you have to be with yourself uh, when you're doing that because you want to play so badly, yeah. but you got you got to you got to yeah. take it easy and get to the regular season, right? Yeah, I'm trying to take it easy right now, but it, you know it hurts. You know, first home game didn't get a chance to run out the tunnel and stuff, but you know I'm just looking forward to going out there the next home game and run out the tunnel. How do you feel like you're doing in terms of the mental part, uh, up from the playbook to the adaptation to the NFL? I mean, I know you're a rookie, but you've been around this thing now for for a few months. Oh, uh, everything's good. I picked up the playbook very well. I'm very confident in myself and learning the playbook and knowing what to do. And, uh, 
uh, you know, just knowing what the coaches expect of me and just trying to go out there and execute. How influential has Warhop been to you, and whether it's little tendencies, technique kind of things uh, that you're picking up? Uh, very influential. Um, and all the best as well. My offensive line taught me a lot since I've been here and uh, bettered my game a lot since college. Are you, um, do you feel comfortable uh, with your skill set at this level, what you've seen on the practice field? You go against a pretty good defense every day. Uh, most definitely. You know, I'm definitely confident in myself and confident in my playing style, and uh, that's the reason why they brought me here, and I'm just here to come help the team win games. I'm going to get well. Appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's uh, Jawan Taylor. He will play tomorrow night. Starting five for the Jacksonville Jaguars will be out there on the offensive line. That's a really good thing. Those are words that are nice to hear, especially Austin. I mean, it's unbelievable. I don't think people talk about it enough, man. Sixteen offensive linemen is what I counted played last year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is you can talk about Blake Bortles, offensive coordinators, receivers, Leonard Fournette. You can't win on any level if you're going through that many offensive linemen. I mean, by the time we got to December, we had guys playing on this football team, and I cover the team pretty close. Yeah. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, when did he get here? Did I miss that transaction report? I mean, it was seriously like that a year ago. So good to see these guys healthy, and they might even have a little depth. Now they just have to stay healthy. Exactly. And uh, someone I took away from that interview there, Brent, and – I'm not sure if this is more Juwan Taylor, if it's more of the coaching staff or like the the strength like the strength training staff here. But he said, you know, like being a rookie, you're motivated to come back in, right? Especially when it's your first year. I mean, you're you want to showcase what you got. You you want to prove that you belong. You want to prove that you're a second round pick. Well, then all of a sudden you get hurt, and it's always usually the you know when you're a rookie, you want to come back maybe sooner than expected because you're just you know you you want to try to get your reps in practice and you want to go against the opponent. And everything like that, whether it's in a game or even practicing against the guys on the field. So I, I really liked his answer of how he's approaching this, where, you know, he's, he's obviously, he has to think about his starting spot, but at the same time, he has to think about the NFL regular season as well. So from that perspective, I, I thought it was a very mature answer. And once again, I'm not sure if that's more of him talking, more of the coaches talking, but I like how that question was handled. I think you have to sell, you have to tell yourself, but yourself doesn't do that. If you're an athlete and you want to play and you're fighting, and he, it, listen, he didn't want it. he wasn't handed a job. Now he might have a good feeling about it, but you still have to earn your job, especially as a young guy. And I think uh, this is really the staff and the doctors and the trainers and everybody else, and you have to almost like put your hands against uh, a player and be like. No, (laughs) you're not walking out on that field because you know as a young – now, listen, you learn that as you go along. I would think as a second-year guy, third-year guy, fifth-year guy, Mm -hmm. tenth-year guy, well, you know. You you know how to take care of it. You know what you need to get ready. But I think for a guy like Taylor, I think, man, you're chomping and and you want to get ready to roll, and and they might have to lock the door and say, don't come out of the room (laughs) and say, we we can't get you on the field. I I could see that happening for a lot of guys. And listen, it always doesn't happen like that, Brent. You know, I mean, I'm always reminded of Tyson Alualu. I mean, he, he comes into training camp a little later because he signed his contract late, being a first-round pick, uh, does the Oklahoma drills, uh, strains his calf a little bit, and, and, you know, instead of, you know, spending some time off to get his calf right, he just played through it, you know, because he felt like being the first-round pick, he had to show up and show out. And uh, and I think, you know, granted, Juwan Taylor's a second-round pick. I'm sure he still kind of has that motivation uh, that he doesn't really want to sit out. You know, he, he wants to showcase his skills a little bit. So the fact that he kind of took his time, wait till he's 100% to come back now, and he'll be getting his first playing time in a real game uh, this Thursday, I think it's pretty cool. And, uh, and I, th- I think it's the right play to do here. Keep an eye on Jawan Taylor tomorrow night. He's, he's a guy that I'll be watching.
I want to keep my eye on Jawan Taylor and see what he does. The book on Taylor now is that he might have a little troubles. He could use a little better technique in the pass pro game, but he's a road grader in the running game. And right now, I think that's a, a nice thing to have. If your weakness is pass protection, I think Nick Foles can hide a little bit of that. I think the Jags want to be able to move people off the ball, man, and run the football and run to that right side with Leonard Fournette and be comfortable doing it. And I think uh, if he can handle that part of it and then the pass pro comes along, I mean, obviously you can't be deficient at it, but if he gets better and better at the pass pro part, well, then I, I think you might you might be looking at a really good player. Don't forget, a lot of people had this guy as a top ten kind of talent uh, because of the value of position. He dropped a little bit. I think there were some injury concerns. I think that's why he dropped a little bit. Jags might have got another steal in yeah. the second round with a guy like Jawan Taylor. I mean, if Jawan Taylor plays well, I can make the case you could get excited about their offensive line a little bit. Now, there's a lot of ifs. But Jawan Taylor's one of them, and if he can just you can put him in, and he can hold his own and do well, and maybe even do really well. Ah oh, man, now you now you feel pretty good about your offensive line as long as it stays healthy. Let's talk about Jawan Taylor's alma mater. Talk about the Gators and the Canes matchup coming up. What do you expect? Here's what I want to know: What can Miami do to not get blown out? Is that really the question of the week? I'm not hating on you, Canes. I just don't know on paper how this is only a touchdown separation through Vegas. We'll talk about it coming up on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, you get everybody, you know, everybody in the country is waiting for college football. Excited about college football. You know, to me, and it's a Saturday, you know, so a lot of teams aren't practicing. You know, a lot of teams haven't started their game week yet. Uh, to me, one of the, the great things, and even challenge, not just the fans, all the other teams are watching us. What are they going to see? What are they going to think? What, what's our stamp? You know, and everybody, every college football person in the country turns on that game. What are they going to see? What are they? What's their thought when they watch the Florida Gators? And we got to go out there and live up to that on the field. About well, Dan Mullen talking about his football team and making a statement on Saturday night. Good perspective from Dan Mullen there, I think, about what they can accomplish on Saturday at 7 o'clock when they take on the Miami Hurricanes in Orlando Camping World Stadium. The site, you can watch the game on ESPN. Action Sports Shacks, by the way, will be down there for the game, so a post-game reaction on Action Sports Shacks primetime, 10.30 on Fox 30. That will act almost as like a live post-game show. And 11.30 on CBS 47 will put a bow on all the coverage that day. And what will it look like for the Florida Gators, for the Miami Hurricanes, well, we'll soon find out in about three days. Brent Martineau here in South Florida with the Jags as they get ready to take on the Miami Dolphins. And I'm not far away from the Miami Hurricanes uh, before they head up to Orlando. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios. What will this look like, Austin, in yeah. your mind? I think you predicted earlier in the week, or maybe it was late last week, you said you, you feel a blowout coming on from the uh, – Florida Gators. The only apprehension I have, I, I do wonder, why is the line only seven? Maybe you can say three points because it's a neutral site game that you normally would have got at home. So if this was in Gainesville, maybe it's a double-digit spread, and, and that sounds a little bit more right for the Florida Gators, given what they have coming back, given the question marks of Miami, given new coach Manny Diaz, and given the fact that the Gators are a top-ten team in the country. And it will feel a little bit more of like a home game, I assume. I think there will be more Gator fans in Orlando than Miami Hurricane fans. But the front seven of Miami is really good. 
and that question mark about the offensive line for the Gators might have a chance to keep this thing closer than many expect, myself included. Exactly. That's probably going to be the biggest storyline, I think, going into this game where the Hurricanes can keep it close. It's going to be the Hurricanes' defensive line taking on that Gators' front. Now, last year when Dan Mullen came in, you know, he, he brought the spread with him. And usually when you think of the spread, Brent, especially the spreads that I played against in college and even the NFL, you think of more teams being finesse, okay? And while that might have been the case for Florida last year, they had a lot of great linemen. You had Montez Ivy, you had Juwan Taylor, obviously, and they were more of the physical type, okay? So they still relied on the running game, and even though it was spread, you know, they still smashed you in the mouth a little bit. Well, now going into this year with the Florida Gators and that offensive line, you have a lot of new pieces back there, and while they're still going to run that spread offense, they still want to, you know, run the ball as well. I'm curious to see if they can stand up to that pretty stout Miami defensive line. And also another story is Franks, you know, how is Franks going to be in the backfield? Uh, I think Felipe Franks is a guy who showed up a little more ability to run the ball, I guess, last year in, in, in terms of that spread offense. Um, I think when he's not under pressure, he can make some decent throws. Accuracy is always a question mark. But you're going against a, a pretty much a top 10 defense in college football. I want to see how he responds to pressure and if he makes good decisions as well. I think what he showed last year is he's got some guts. You know, and I like that, and that's important from that position. But he faced so much adversity. And even the first half of last year, I don't think people were convinced. He was talking, the fans were talking, and he turned it around. And really the last five games of last year, he was really good. And Dan Mullen was really good with him. And I think you have to give a lot of credit to Mullen. I will be honest with you, though. I know Gator fans, and and you have this right, too. Uh, Again, I'm not a Florida Gator fan. And I think if I was, I'd probably be on the hype train for Felipe Franks. I, i just being honest, I think I would. But as a kind of a neutral observer, I still have, uh, I really have my doubts if he takes another step. Did we see, not the best of Felipe Franks, but from a consistency standpoint, is that kind of the mountaintop? Is that the plateau that we're going to see from Felipe Franks? I think he can shine in time from time. I think he'll, I just feel like there might be more ups and downs this season rather than kind of started off slow and then really trended in a good direction for the last, again, five or six weeks of the year uh, for Felipe Franks. And I know what people say, now you off. But I always bring up, I feel like Felipe Franks has some, uh, commonalities with the way we perceived and talked about Blake Bortles around here. And I think we just went through all this. And I thought Blake Bortles at the end of 2017, take away the Buffalo Bills game, especially that second quarter. But if you look at the way Bortles played in December of 2017, man, was he projecting up. He played great. It was a great three-week stretch of his career, right? Yeah. And then he plays well against Pittsburgh. And then he does okay against New England. I mean, it wasn't bad Buffalo. I get it. But so you go into that off season and you go into the next year and you're like, oof, where can he go, right? I mean, we're, maybe we're starting to see the blossoming of Blake Bortles. Well, in the first four weeks of the year outside of the Tennessee game, he had some really nice games, including the New England Patriots game in Jacksonville. So now you're like, okay, okay, I, I, I can see this is not the ceiling, right? I mean, yeah. they're, they're, he's got more places to go. Ah, then it kind of, that was it, right? So, so what we learned from there is that Blake Bortles probably reached his mountaintop. He probably had a great stretch, or for him a great stretch, a, a good stretch of football from December, January, and even September of last year. 
and then the wheels fell off. And I'm not saying it's as drastic as that for Felipe Franks. Don't hear me wrong. But I do think you have to be guarded about that with Felipe Franks. And I don't know. I'm not all in on it. Uh, he has good talent around him. He has a really good play caller. Uh, he has a an unknown offensive line. Uh, so there are going to be times this fall, and it might happen Saturday night, Felipe Franks is going to have to elevate everybody else. Well, and, uh, I want to be able to see that uh, week in, week out before I buy all in on it. And speaking of the unknown, since we're on the topic of the Florida Gators right now, uh, another uh, unknown thing kind of is how that locker room is as far as, you know, just a team and a brotherhood. You know, they, they've had a lot of off-field distractions this year, Brent. I think more than really any college football team in the country, whether it's guys getting in trouble, guys transferring out, you know, just all these headlines that, uh, that aren't good for your football program, you know, and I'm not saying that Dan Mullen has lost that locker room or that program, but they've been in the news a lot for all the wrong reasons. And, and I'm curious to see, you know, I'm curious to see, one well, number one, if they have the that's on that team to kind of, you know, just put all that noise aside and play good football. Uh, and I'm curious to see how they're going to come out and respond. I mean, they're coming off a great season last year, um, finishing up beating Michigan and everything. But this is a whole new offseason. This is a whole new team now. So I'm also curious to see how they have responded to the adversity that they faced uh, the entire offseason. Hey, a couple other things, too. It's worth noting. Their backfield's pretty good. Their wide receiving core is very good. And, and we went a long time around here talking about the Florida Gators. And the question was, the scratch-your-head thing was, how can the Florida Gators, of all teams, not be able to throw the football and catch the football? How can't they find a quarterback like everybody else in the country seemingly can? And how can't they find these these talented wide receivers? Well, I think they put together a really nice receiving core in Gainesville. And, you know, a quarterback, obviously, that, that still could have some potential, uh, so many people think. What I do wonder about is uh, is, is Dan Mullen. Because if you look at Mullen's career as a head coach and all the time at Mississippi State, ring the bell if you want to. Oh, one second. I got to reach for it. All right. That's for you, neighbors, ringing the bell. Uh, Mississippi State was always an underdog, right? I mean, nobody is expecting stuff from Mississippi State. In fact, you're like, wow, look at what they're putting out talent-wise. Wow, look what he's doing with Dak Prescott. Look at, wow, number one in the country that one time for for a bit. You know, all these things from Mississippi State, Dan Mullen accomplished a lot. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But he, he seemingly has done very well as the hunter. That was the case last year with the Florida Gators. He was with a team that nobody expected to do too much. They hadn't done too much. Well, he surprised a lot of people, did a fantastic job in that role. How is he going to be as the hunted and as the head man as, with all eyes on him? And what he just said, hey, we got a chance to make a statement. We're the eighth-ranked team in the country. Are they deserving that eighth-ranked team? They get a chance to go prove it on Saturday night. So I'm a little curious about that, Austin. I think there's a big difference when, uh, from a football team perspective, but also from even a head coach team perspective, because I think that guy needs to get you ready to be that, to be the hunted rather than the hunter, and sometimes that's pretty difficult. Yeah, especially, I mean, listen, it's easy when you're kind of considered the underdog, right? And now you're coming off of a pretty great season. Um, I, I get it. You know, the, the, I think there's still the Georgias and Alabamas out there. Those are the top dogs. But you're coming into the season now with very high expectations. You know, you you have to build off last season's performance. So, yeah, from that perspective, this is kind of, I guess, a, really a new spot for Dan Mullen. And I'm curious to see exactly how he's going to respond to that. 
Absolutely. All right, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll put a, a bow on the show from South Florida. Tomorrow, by the way, we'll be at the stadium outside Hard Rock Stadium uh, down there in, it's not really Miami, but we just call it Miami. Why are all these stadiums not in the cities they're called? At least uh. Jacksonville's in Jacksonville. Well, because we're not going to call them the New Jersey Giants, are we? No, but maybe we should call them the Broward County Dolphins. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sounds, I say sounds, Miami. Sounds like a private school to me. Well, it's always like this, though. I forget, where were we for Super Bowl? Where have we been recently? Atlanta's Atlanta. Atlanta, that's fine. Minnesota, though, it wasn't technically in Minnesota. Well, what was it? Now, the stadium was in downtown, but our coverage, because it was like the Mall of America and everything, wasn't. I mean, you know? it's still so it's confusing. Hey, Brent, it's in the state of Minnesota, though, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant Minneapolis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were in the state of Minnesota. Like, were you guys in Canada? Or what, are you, what, are you what doing? a dummy. Yeah, we're in, like, South Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a time out. Let's do we'll it. be back on ESPN 690. <laughs> Um, you know, it's been uh, it's been kind of a mixed bag. Some guys like it. A lot of a lot of people saying how to grow out the beard. So I think that might be the next move. But dude, the scariest thing is like out of practice, looking down on the ground and seeing my shadow, and it just looks like a bump. I mean, you can't see a receding hairline in the shadow. You you see just a little lettuce, you know, kind of just going different directions. And then uh, now I look down, and yeah, it's just uh, completely hairless. Wait, it's just old spice body wash on the whole body now. There's no need for even any head and shoulders. <laughs> Did he just try to get a couple of endorsements in one soundbite? Smart man, Old Spice Absolutely. body wash, head and shoulder shampoo. Good stuff. Uh, that's Blake Bortles talking about his new haircut. Hey, how the heck does Blake Bortles at 26 years old have no hair? How does that happen? <laughs> I mean, how do you have that much of a bald spot? I get wearing, like, uh, hats. Like, give, wearing hats gives you a bald spot, apparently, if you do it a lot. Of course. And so quarterbacks wear a lot of hats. they got the helmet as well. Yeah. Uh, if you look at golfers like Tiger Woods, he's gone. He's balding a little bit on the back uh, side just because a little light on the flight deck, if you will, because of the hat wearing, I think. Uh, and he is a little older. He's at least 42 or 43. But, I mean, Bortles should not look that old should not lose all that hair he's 26 man yeah but i feel like Borles has been wearing a baseball hat for like literally his entire life like he he, he may have came out like of the womb rocking a backwards baseball hat i feel like so <laughs> from that perspective i'm sure it doesn't help things at all i mean like traditionally in wisconsin a lot of like and thankfully a lot of my friends haven't gone i mean i'm not saying thankfully i really don't care but a lot of my friends haven't gone gone bald yet but you gotta remember like when it gets cold like in wisconsin i mean everyone's wearing beanies and things like that and I guess like that uh, speeds up the process of going bald as well. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I can't imagine the feeling. Thank God I have my luscious locks here that aren't going anywhere for a while, hopefully, knock on wood. And uh, I guess when that time comes, we'll have to make a decision. Well, we do miss Blake Bortles sound bites, don't we? That was on what? Pardon my take, Coos? Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, Blake Bortles uh, has some fun with uh, in front of a microphone. He's not afraid to. He doesn't really care what he says and um, very self-deprecating often. So you you got to miss that part of him. I don't think people miss the play uh, around here from Blake Bortles, the inconsistencies. And now with tomorrow, we get to see Nick Foles, Austin. Uh, what does this offense have to do? I've called it business-like, but let's be more specific. Uh, what do you need to see given two, three, four drives out of this offense? How would you draw it up? What are you doing in a team meeting tonight to 
say, hey, here's what we're going to come out. We're going to script these 15 plays, and we want to give how many touches to Leonard Fournette? We want to how many dropbacks, how many safe plays to Nick Foles, maybe a shot down the field to Conley, get a tight end mixed in. I mean, how do you spread it out tomorrow in such short order? Yeah, well, seeing how Fournette wasn't on the list of guys uh, sitting out, you know, I'm just going to assume right he's now that, that he's playing. Yeah, so he's um, I want to see a couple things. Number one, I want to see the offensive line being showcased, and I want to see Juwan Taylor being showcased, the second-round pick this year. Um, you know, this this is a guy who is pretty even-keeled off the field, but when he's on the field, plays with a little bit of a mean streak. I want to see that showcased. I, I want to see him pushing guys back and maybe running a little bit of the power run game. From there, I, I, I want to see you know John Filippo use the, the play action to his advantage. Um, I, you know, I want to see teams game plan for Fournette. They pick the Fournette, and then that's going to give Foles enough time uh, to diagnose the situation and then hit, hit, hit the open receiver. I, I want to see that as well. And then it's like you said, but with the tight ends, you know, I mean, yeah, in, in a perfect world, I'd love to see get to the. I'd love to get the tight ends involved as well um i just don't know if they really have the talent right now to do that but overall i just want to see confidence you know i want to see sustained drives i want to see Foles be on the same page as as his receivers and basically this is just used to have a little confidence to get a little swagger about you so by the time kansas city comes knocking here in a couple weeks you'll be ready to go all right let's see the other side of the football Uh, obviously i agree with a lot of that you said on the offensive side uh, defensive side, I I, I want to see Jalen Ramsey and Calais Campbell get in and out of there, get their work in, feel good, and get to the sidelines and uh, and and never visit a trainer. Let's just say that, and I'd yeah. say that about Yannick Ngakwe as well, and Miles Jack probably too. I could say it about a lot of guys, uh, but especially some of those guys, those key parts. Uh, I I don't think we're going to see a lot from this defense. I think it'll be a lot vanilla stuff. All those things that we've talked about for the last few months, what Josh Allen might bring. Maybe some second down packages and not just third down packages. Josh Allen potentially dropping back into coverage, even though I think they've tried to hide some of that. Where they put him, how they move him around. I I don't think we're going to get a lot of that tomorrow. I think Todd Wash will try to be pretty vanilla and not showcase much for Kansas City. Exactly, and it's like I said uh, to start this week out here. They better change the ratings from TV whatever it is to TVMA because if you, if you look at the Jaguars' front four right now, they should absolutely dominate the starting offensive line of the Miami Dolphins. And that's with saying you don't have to throw a lot of you know uh, crazy exotic blitzes and everything. If they just rush them straight up, they should be okay. Now, yeah, it's like you said. I don't want to see you know I don't want to see Jan get over 20 plays. I mean, I'd like to see him get maybe one or two series at the very most. I think we know what we have with that defensive line. And I think we know what we have with that secondary as well. But um, I'm, I'm really expecting the, the Jaguars to feast here. Then let's be honest, this guy's been kind of a hot topic lately, Brent. But Taven Bryan, you know, how does did, did he show improvements at all? Um, w- you know, when we talked about on the show on Monday, I said keep it, keep an, uh, kind of keep an eye on to see if Taven Bryan's playing week number four as well. Well, Coach Doug Marone comes out and says that Taven Bryan will indeed play week number four. So that kind of goes to show you, well, yeah, they they may be praising him in the locker room and the press conference, but they still are expecting a lot more of him. Obviously, with him playing week four would uh, 
warrant that by a, by a long shot there. Make sure you get your homework assignment uh, ready for tomorrow because we know most guys are playing, if not all guys are playing, other than I think nine of them that have been ruled out. And uh, we'll do our, our three guys on offense, three guys on defense to watch tomorrow. Uh, so uh, make sure you have your homework assignment ready for tomorrow afternoon's show. Done. By the way, tomorrow afternoon, Calais Campbell, I caught up with him tonight, but I'm going to save it till tomorrow, our conversation uh, with Calais being back down here in South Florida, uh, what he has to get out of this game. And I asked him about the offense, and I thought he was really good talking about the offense, so I think you'll want to hear that uh, tomorrow uh, as well. Uh, this defense, by the way, um, I think we're going to, you know, we talk about all the stars of this defense, Austin, but I do think the curiosity is what kind of wrinkles they do put in for Kansas City in this regular season, and then just how well do those guys fit. The Jared Wilsons, Ronnie Harrisons, I have less concern about him, but Jared Wilson, uh, is it Najee good? Uh, how do those guys fit in some of the depth players that they want to use on the defensive front? It's really not a question about all the guys that you already know. We've seen so much evidence of them. But where do these other guys fit in? And they have a chance, I think, to cement their status. Now, listen, Jared Wilson is going to be the starting uh, free safety. That's happening. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if that weak side linebacker is officially sewn up by anyone. I think Najee Good has such an upper hand there, at least until Quincy Williams comes back. But uh, we'll find out, and I think the one last chance for them to showcase that. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously, once we get closer to that game, we'll start breaking down what the Jaguars defense seems to do against the Kansas City Chiefs. But I guess since we teased a little bit, a little preview of it, I think this is where you need to start showcasing some of the new things on that Jaguars defense, especially with your linebacker blitzes, uh, especially coming up the middle. Because if you watch Patrick Mahomes play the game of football, if you just rush four at him, uh, he kind of finds this rhythm. He kind of finds this groove a little bit. He steps up in the pocket to his, I like to call it the honey hole, uh, and you know he, he makes all those passes. Where he has had problem is a three technique or blitzes up the middle uh, that give him a little pressure, whether it was with Aaron Donald, uh, I think when, when St. Louis played him, I'm sorry, when Los Angeles played him, or other teams of that nature. When teams blitz him up the middle, he does have problems, so something to keep an eye on there as well. And how do you stop Travis, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, all those guys? In a perfect world, you can do what the Chiefs did a couple years ago to success with the Patriots, where they put Eric Berry starting safety on Gronk and shut him down. Well, you just can't put Jared Wilson uh, on, on Travis Kelsey, unfortunately. And one would think that Jalen Ramsey's got to take Tyree Kill one-to-one, which is always a hard matchup. So just some storylines to keep, a, keep, you know, keep in mind as we progress through the week. Think about this, and we'll talk about it a little more tomorrow. How many explosive plays can this defense allow in a game for you to feel comfortable with? Like, is it three? Is it five? Is it whatever it might be? to say, because that's really the only Achilles heel you figure. If they give up big plays, then it's the only way this team's going to get beat. It's hard to march down the field on this defense, I think. Mm-hmm. Hey, Frost and Lane and Coos, I'm Brett Martineau from South Florida. We'll move locations to Hard Rock Stadium tomorrow. Dolphins and Jags tomorrow on Fox 30, but it begins at 3 o'clock with us on ESPN 690 on the road once again with the Jaguars. Our last edition of First and Ten Training Camp on TV coming up tonight, 11:15 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. I'll have a report from here, the Jags Team Hotel. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks, to, thanks for listening. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.